Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Judge, you there? Yeah, I'm here. Excellent. We all be honored to have once again the one and only, the truly honorable Judge Joe Brown with the word of today. Like every day, a man who is very profound and make it plain, as usual. In the words of great Michael makes, he makes it plain. How you doing tonight, Judge? All right, young man. I'm doing fine. Yeah, I just, we've been talking some good stuff, man. You got a lot to say, especially like what's going on right now in the world of entertainment as well as in the real world of politics and, and all this stuff. But uh, it's, it's like it's very overwhelming. But where would you like to start tonight? Okay, let's start with something that's local to Memphis, Shelby County. Okay. There is a gentleman that for years has been telling the truth about the realities of this place politically. His name is Dale Gill. But the powers that be don't like him because he just keeps focusing on the raw truth and the right and the wrong of things, and they don't like that because there are too many corners cut. And he sent uh, a submission to the county commission suggesting that they release the information uh, first thing in 2018 relative to the taxpayers' money that has been paid out to settle the hashtag MeToo issues in Shelby County. In other words, how many elected officials have had to cause the, have managed to cause the taxpayers to pay out money? How many times have there been these problems in these agencies we have, like the clerk's offices, the DA's office, uh, juvenile court, their clerk's office, and some of the county agencies? How many times have uh, the taxpayers had to pay for settlements or non-disclosable out-of-court resolutions to matters? How many times have... uh, there have been occasions when EEOC has found cause, and I think that's going to ruffle a few feathers. I really do, which leads us, of course, to this whole hashtag Me Too thing that's been going on recently. My reaction to that is, is it's awful to exploit a woman if you are a man, but we have another problem that's going on that's more serious. It's the erosion of respect for some of the principles in our Bill of Rights, one of which is innocent until proven guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. And right now, because the press is trying to be politically correct, and a lot of the people that are pushing the issues are indigenous to the press itself, we are trying people in the media 
and accusations are leading to people being fired, even if they deny things, or leading to calls for resignation, and people are resigning. I think that is a bad policy, and it sets something of an institutional precedent that is not good. We have people like that sleaze Nancy Grace, who goes around as a lawyer, a former prosecutor, and starts harping about the Fifth Amendment needs to be abolished because the people have a right to know to satisfy their inquiring mind that's more important than some defendant's right to remain silent. So that's getting on very dangerous ground, and that troubles me. There was a thing that hit Twitter, and there was a big to-do about that. It was a woman who was a contributor to Teen Vogue, and she was tweeting for several days about it's okay to destroy an innocent man and his career with false accusations if it helps out the feminist cause, you see, and that's nothing but salacious garbage, and that's a scumbag who would advocate that kind of thing. But you see, that person is still writing for impressionable teen girls. You've got a movement afoot that goes along with this that's spreading back east where they want to create a new category of rape called rape by seduction in addition to forcible rape. In other words, if the woman is caused to be impassioned and eroticized and because she is, let's say, uh, getting turned on and she decides to have sex, that should be called rape by seduction. So when the woman is totally calm and everything, the guy is supposed to ask, and get permission to engage in foreplay and get her worked up. And then before they actually have sex, he's supposed to formally inquire, is it all right to have sex? And they say that if the person is not to be prosecuted, he must ask the woman pointedly during the sex act if it's okay to continue and then if it's okay to finish. And then for universities and colleges, They want to implement policy where if the girl has second thoughts or doubts or, um, you know, remorse for having doing it, the boy can be expelled so the girl doesn't have to go through the pain of seeing him for the next two, three, or four years that she's attending that college. They want magazines, books, books. all media to be labeled warning this may cause eroticism or arousal in young females. Um, That's getting a little bit crazy because that gets too far away from Boys and Girls 101 uh, slash the human animal. Now, one star got in some big trouble because he said there's a scale. There's forcible rape, and that should not be tolerated. Things like that need to be prosecuted. Somebody should go to the jail or penitentiary, and there are things that just amount to extreme flirtation. 
and those should be treated accordingly. There should be a sliding scale in there depending upon the severity of the offense. He drew a whole lot of negative flack where women were commenting that it's all the same and it all should be treated alike. Well, that kind of goes along with this new development with the young people who are in college and in their early 20s and some in their 30s who feel that anything that makes another person feel uncomfortable should be forbidden. In other words, if more people don't like this speaker or what he may say, that speaker should not be permitted to speak uh, to a student gathering at that university because somebody may be offended. It's part of what you see in the media where somebody says something that may be quite true, but it offends somebody else. Well, then three days later, He's issuing profuse apologies, even though what he or she may have said is quite valid. So one thing I do like about Trump, he tells the press to go straight to hell if they don't like it, and he bypasses them. See, he thumbs his nose at them, and he tweets. He doesn't have to go through CNN and ABC, NBC, CBS, uh, USA Today, and the major newspapers. He tweets, so he's got a voice directly to America. And some of what he says makes a lot of sense. A lot of it may aggravate you because it's on a different uh, roadway, a different pathway than you might like. And just as an aside, I don't think he really follows a lot of what he says and does. I think he uses it to submit his base, which is flyover country America. Uh, The white population that feels neglected and set upon and has what it calls traditional values that uh, say We like Trump, and we can't stand the Democratic Party, especially when they spend so much time on issues like who gets to pee in the girls' bathroom or gun control, which we do not buy. Gun control, I would say, is a specious issue. It's got other things in mind. Uh, There are other things behind it which have nothing to do with public safety except as the ignorant may see it. And the real problem with guns comes from the ones that are smuggled in with the drugs, the opiates, and the cocaine that the war on drugs can't manage to stop. Well, if they can't manage to stop that, they can't manage to smuggle the guns that come back from Israel, South Korea, uh, South America, and the Middle East where forces and factors over there have a surplus of seized weapons or obsolete U.S. military weapons that they can sell on the black market and generate monies to fight so-called terrorism or provide for intelligence operations. So it seems the U.S. government is simply turning a blind eye to that and saying, okay, you can sell the drugs, sell this stuff in America, make this money to finance your black operations. So I 
look at cocaine, for example, and that makes absolutely no sense. Uh, the analogy is like uh, a 55-gallon barrel of 93-octane premium gas costing more than a 50, uh, costing less than a 55-gallon barrel of crude oil. In other words, what DEA seizes on importation or smuggling is not crack, it's powdered cocaine. And the powdered cocaine is more expensive than the crack. So how does that manage economically if what they're selling on the streets costs less than the raw material that made it, you see? So there's something going wrong there, but it's popular to try and push this. It distracts the public. And right now we have the thing in place where we've got this new tax plan. Mm-hmm. Well, historically, tax plans have absolutely nothing to do with generating um, enhanced economy where it grows. All it does is take the same sum that's out there when you have a new tax plan, and it rearranges who benefits from it. Warren Buffett wrote an article about the recent tax plan, and he said, my kind have screwed ordinary Americans very badly, and this tax plan screws them even worse. So what happens is the middle class and the lower classes wind up paying proportionately more taxes than the upper class. They get to keep more of what's out there than the middle class does. And in order to operate the country, you have to cut back on programs that benefit the overwhelming majority of the citizens so that the very few can get a tax cut. And then you have to borrow money from the People's Republic of China to make the ends meet. See, that's the thing that they don't talk about. There's all kinds of squabbling about the People's Republic of China, and everybody is doing what used to be called rattling sabers. But the bottom line is, is the People's Republic of China stabilizes America's currency and also stabilizes most of, well, practically, well, actually all of the world's stock exchanges so when the good capitalists get a little bit too randy and wild, they can say, no, you just check and see who owns this, 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 and this, and it ain't going to happen. You've got it out of control. You need to tone it back and be reasonable. So it's a bad thing all the way around. And again, we get back to that old thing that Caesar said, feed them and entertain them, and they won't care what you're talking about or what you do. And they is ordinary people. Keep them fed and entertained. He said, give them bread and circuses. In Latin, it's done pane ethicalthiae. In other words, give them bread and circuses and they won't care what you do. And that's a classic illustration. And the media is all out these days to try and do something about destabilizing the masculine component of society. There is a large body of people involved with Hollywood, the lesbian interests, the radical feminists, and the LGBTQ crowd who want to, let's say, tone down or take down masculinity. 
And over the last 45 to 50 years, there's been an asserted and astute campaign conducted by Hollywood to do just that. And it's not surprising, considering that LGBTQ boasts that 85 to 90 percent of all of the people employed in various fields in Hollywood are LGBTQ. So it's not surprising. You can see that. Uh, Justice League is a very nice, exciting, you know, superhero movie. There's just one problem with it. You have Batman, Superman, Aquaman, The Flash, and Cyborg. And guess who their leader is? Wonder Woman. (laughs) You have the new Star Wars is just absolutely atrocious about this. They have actually got this thing down where those on the dark side are masculine and those on the side of light are all dominated by, run by, commanded by, or corrected by strong women. You've got a situation where you put Luke Skywalker up against an untrained young girl and she's stronger in the force than he is and she can wield a lightsaber just instinctively with no training better than anybody else, including Darth Vader's grandson, who is the apprentice to the chief Sith Lord, and she challenges him, and she's got no training. But you have a situation. You've got somebody that's supposed to be a masculine hero. He and a woman are escaping on an animal and riding away at a gallop, and she's sitting in front, and he's holding on to her, telling her not to go so fast. And, you know, there is a good guy who's strong, but he tries to do the man thing, and he's proven wrong, and the women were right. You know, it's just awful the way you go through this thing. And I looked at that and said, man, look what they're doing here. I mean, this is just an ultimate extension of this campaign, Take Your Daughter to Work Week. We have never had to take your son to work week. And at one point, somebody said, well, all these boys are all ahead. They need to catch up, the girls. I mean, the girls need to catch up. But you look at today's society, and even the defense department is upset. For the first decade of the 21st century, their figures showed that, A, on average, only 28% of each year's high school graduates were male. Only one-third, basically 32% of the college undergrads were male, and only 36% of the grad students were male, and only 44% of the workforce is male. And something's going wrong, It's as per their conclusion, with the way boys are being raised to be adult males, they're not getting the manhood component. They say we can make you strong, but we can't make you tough. And they're lamenting the fact that the recruits they get are not as tough as they used to be. Mm-hmm. So now they have to accept women in command roles, and that's what they have done with the military. And now court, a court, a federal court has ruled they have to let transvestites in. 
Now, this is where Trump needs to come in. He needs to issue an executive order as commander-in-chief saying, okay, if we got to get them in, we're not going to spend any tax dollars letting them get a conversion operation. That may be why you get so many, or not so many, but apparently some want to get in because at taxpayers' expense, they get converted. You know, they get the surgery free of charge. Yeah. And frankly, I look at all of the people who need medical assistance. I look at all of the elderly people who have, well, myself included, who have huge copay uh, bills for necessary medication. And I say, no, you don't need to convert anybody on our tax tab. Mm. You know, that's elective. You do that on your own. You've got a right to do what you want, but we don't need to pay for it. They have an absolute right to do what they do. They have an absolute right to use the political process to advance their ends. They have an absolute right under the First Amendment to utilize freedom of the press to push their positions. And they have an absolute right to work as anybody else does. But it seems they have gotten control of the media and they have engaged in a humongous propaganda effort over the last 50 years. And as Josef Goebbels, propaganda minister for the Nazis, said before World War II, tell a lie one time, it's a lie. Tell it a thousand times, it becomes the truth. Tell a lie long enough and loud enough, and you can get anyone to believe it. And the news media has spread a lot of mythology that, is not in our best interest. Trump puts it out. I think his coined phrase, fake news, is very accurate. And nobody's had the cojones to call the media out on it basically before. Mm-hmm. That's fake. Uh, I mentioned it, for example, I interviewed Trayvon Martin's mother twice on radio, and I met her in person. And she advised me that Anderson Cooper of CNN said, please don't reveal to the public that Trayvon's grandfather is a lieutenant detective on the Miami Police Department. That will uh, lessen the impact of the story. He was trying to get ratings. He didn't care about it. He threw out all of that fake news and false information about why Trayvon got killed is because Zimmerman was exercising this horrible stand-your-ground thing, which Mm -hmm. actually is the law in all but a handful of states, and it has been since they became states. It is the law in Tennessee, and it's appropriate. And by the way, the person that had the right to stand his ground was not Zimmerman. It was Trayvon Martin. Mm -hmm. Uh, Anderson Cooper put this fake thing out in front of the public about Castle Doctrine. There was nothing under the circumstances of that case that had a thing to do with castle doctrine. That's what happens when you're in your home. A man's home is his castle. And it came out of a civil case that Florida had where somebody was burglarizing a man's home. He got hurt in the process, and he sues the homeowner. Well, he didn't win, but they wanted it understood that, uh-uh, we don't play that. You are the crook. You're in somebody else's house on forcible entry, 
or by fraud, you have no rights. The guy that controls the castle is the one that does. So we've got a lot of stuff out there that's bad. But I'm particularly concerned about uh, taking down masculinity because when you do that, Unlike what the radical feminists contend, it does not cause men or males to be more peaceful. It simply deprives them of opportunities to be in touch with that hunter, that warrior that's inside of them, that does not go away because that's part of their nature as an evolved creature that is now the apex predator on the planet that kills the largest creatures on this planet and kills itself real well. That's not going away. That's in the gene code. And when you try to deprive a boy of being in touch with that and getting appropriately acculturated and socialized to that, then you get out-of-control males who shoot up schoolyards. Men who are in touch with this become peaceful men, but they have what is necessary in them to rise to the occasion when courage and bravery are needed. I've been tweeting that on Mm -hmm. Judge Joe Brown TV. So that's, by the way, me. Some people want to know, is this really Judge Joe Brown? Yes, it is on Judge Joe Brown TV. I had to use that because a lot of others, for some reason or another, have over the years decided to represent themselves as me. But I'm Judge Joe Brown TV. That's my hand. So I just started tweeting in the middle of the year. I may have eight, 900 followers. I don't know. But I get retweeted a lot. So I don't have a blue check. And I don't feel like starting up a website for no purpose just to get a blue check. But there you go. Now, you were asking me some questions before, and I've been going at length. So no, no, it's good. Well, it's like a stream of consciousness. Like you got so much to offer. you like a walking encyclopedia. Uh, just a brilliant legal mind, a real true legal scholar. And also just, uh, just have wisdom just from living, living life, and. I think probably what that's about is I'm slightly autistic and I tend to get focused on stuff and worry about (laughs) it my whole life. But, you know, I try to adapt. (laughs) The the masculinity thing, I think it's fascinating that the people who are being uh, targeted for this Me Too movement or the taken down, like the the man behaving badly, are mostly like heterosexual males. Like even with... uh, the owner of the Carolina Panthers, Jerry Richardson, like he's stepping down, he's forced to sell the team. That's part of that anti-masculine thing. See, what they don't talk about is the homosexual side. When I was working on my show, which I did for 15 years, let's say the executive suite of the first CEO that ran my show or the entity that had my show, I remember there was this 24-year-old girl, 23 initially, who had a year and a half of junior college, and she had a lesbian sexual affair with the wife of another executive, and uh, I saw her last as a file clerk, and two weeks later, she's coming over to admonish me 
about she doesn't like the way I ruled on a case. And I said, you're just a file clerk, now I'm an executive. But see her sexual concourse with another woman on the homosexual side got her a gig. And that had a lot to do with the way things operated. I was a straight man, and one of the nastiest, most vile, insulting letters I've ever gotten in my life was November 1998. The show was just a few months old, and some lesbians, 23 of them, wrote a letter to Human Resources complaining about having to work for a straight, heterosexual black male when there were so many nice homosexual black men to work for. They they resented being assigned to the show. They said my voice was too deep. I was too masculine. Uh, I opened doors for them, and they objected to that kind of thing. It went nowhere, but... You know, I wasn't at war with them, but they were at war with me because I was a straight black male. And they had a scale of masculine attributes, and at the very bottom of that scale was the African-American slash black man because they think we abuse our women more than any other class of male, and we uh, don't pay our child support, and we make poor fathers. Actually, even this last, whatever he was, I suppose he was African-American since his daddy was African, his mother was a white American, and his stepdaddy who raised him, adopted daddy, was Asian, Philip, uh, Indonesian. Mm-hmm. But he even came out and said, black men are the worst in the country about paying child support, and that is a lie, that is a fake, that is ridiculous and that's inflammatory because every judicial conference I went to and every statistic I saw for a 20-year period showed, guess what? The ethnic category that paid their child support most regularly in all of America was African-American or is African-American slash black men. Mm-hmm. when they go through a divorce. Yes, it looks bad when you look at the ones that go to the penitentiary, but the whites are worse. But we are at the very top. We pay our child support better than any other category of man in America. Now, that just gives you an idea about how fake the news is and what people actually think. And we've got perilous institutions like our local Memphis and Shelby County Juvenile Court, which ought to be torn down brick by brick and rebuilt because it is a corrupt, racist institution that has been designed with the specifically stated objective of creating a coalition of poor black women on welfare and well-to-do white Republicans to run the county and destroy the growing influence of black men and women. And they do that because they destroy families and they disrupt things, and they never do what is necessary to put families together and make them most effective. The choices they make are invariably those that make the situation worse. If the woman needs money and the guy's got it, she doesn't get it. 
if the guy's got it and the woman doesn't need it, she'll get it to ruin him. And if she gets anything and it's paid into them, they keep the child support payments for 14 to 18 months to earn interest and put the interest in a non-interest-bearing sequestered account that they use as a slush fund to basically uh, finance uh, the political activities of the Tea Party in Tennessee, Arkansas, Alabama, Georgia, Mississippi, and Kentucky, and Oklahoma. So it's a bad thing all the way around, and it's a game. So ultimate objective by this crowd, just destroy the black man, destroy masculinity in general, and set up a situation that is a matriarchy. And when you have this matriarchy, hopefully science will find a way to effectively clone humans so you don't need the man in the loop anymore. I've heard some of them on the West Coast actually get passionate about marriage is a form of slavery, that having a boyfriend is a form of slavery, that men should not be involved in the rearing of children because having a man involved does nothing but make the child worse when he grows up, which is a complete crock. Uh, That is very, very bad. So we have this kind of nonsense, and we have some deplorable figures. Seven years ago, 42% of all Americans, irrespective of race or ethnicity, 35 and under, were born out of wedlock. Now, seven years later, that percentage is almost 50% of the people in America, 35 and under all races and ethnicities, were born out of wedlock. And a statistic I saw recently is that 82% of black people, 20 and under, 82% are born out of wedlock. So that means only 18% were born in a traditional family. And when you have a matriarchy, you've got a disaster because at bottom, the thing that the feminist and the LGBT disregard is that when you've got males out of control, they brutalize women, they do drive-bys, they commit indiscriminate crime, they do not respect women and children and the elderly like some famous criminals do. Uh, for instance, those of a certain uh, persuasion who belong to certain mythical organizations right. that supposedly have some Italian or Sicilian connection. They get community support because they protect the women and children and the elderly in the neighborhood, whereas what you see when you've got a matriarchy, you don't get it. They don't know how what a man's good for because they don't have a father. They don't have a grandfather. They don't have an uncle that is effective, so they don't know what a man's supposed to be good for, so they don't know how to raise their boys 
And when they don't, the boys are out of control and cause chaos where they live. So it's a disaster all the way around, and that's what some people are trying to set up. We've got a social experiment that's been in place for 45 years, which is not long enough to determine whether or not it's effective. And when that is the case, you risk a disaster when it turns out that your experimental methodology, based on Dr. Spock and some misguided ideas about raising children, turn out to be a crock, and you have ineffective adults who now have full control of the situation. Now, I saw a study in the last few days that said spanking children causes them to behave worse in the future. Well, I read, went and looked the study up, and I read it, and it's poor science because there's another conclusion, which is this. The children that act out sufficiently to provoke a spanking in this day and time have exceptionally bad behaviors. They have behavioral problems. And the spanking doesn't straighten them out, and they continue to misbehave in the future. The problem is not the spanking causing the future misbehavior. It's that the spanking was merited because of current bad behavior that is so bad and the parenting method applied to that kid is so ineffective that the kid keeps being bad. And they wanted to disregard the obvious conclusion. Now, parenting skills have gone to hell. You go to a restaurant, whether it's white, black, mixed, whatever, upscale, downscale, and the kids have no manners. Uh, obviously no home training, and when they get out someplace where it counts, it's embarrassing it's so bad. I was sitting in a restaurant, and I was at a table by myself, and this kid walks up to the table. I, well, it was an olive garden. You know, they have breadsticks and the unlimited salad, you know, so I had some breadsticks. This kid wants to reach up on my table and grab a breadstick, and I slapped his hand away. I said, no. I don't want them. I said, go ask your mom. I said, lady, would you come get him? This home training is not good. And, you know, I tried to embarrass her. But uh, bottom line was is you can't expect this child to instantly behave if you haven't trained him. And see, that failure to be able to Act like you've been socialized and acculturated as is appropriate for your age never changes. And when they grow up, they're not appropriately acculturated and socialized, and they wind up filling the penitentiaries and making neighborhoods chaotic, or they wind up in a situation where 44% of the workforce is male and 30, uh, excuse me, 66 percent of, excuse me, not 66, 56 percent of the workforce is female. And it's bad. Uh, That's another thing that's interesting, too. I think if you do the same job, if you're a woman, if you do the same job as a man, you should get paid the same. Mm -hmm. But the truth of the matter is, is when you actually look at the wealth, the women 
get the wealth of their rich husbands when the husband dies and the women live longer or when they divorce him, they get a lion's share of the wealth. So in actuality, women control the majority of the wealth in America. So you may not have the women at the top of the industrial flanks. Uh, Women, you may not have the people at the top of the heap in the business world women, but the people that own the the stock and the shares and the interest in these businesses tend to be women. And 56% of the workforce is female. Mm Mm-hmm. So something's happened here. Military says they're not tough. Uh, They're not going to school. They're not doing the things men have classically done. And the country's going downhill. And we are exactly in the position that Great Britain was 100-some years ago. Well, let's say right before and then right after World War I when they had the same exact kind of social mix going on where education is de-emphasized, and they lost the world's largest empire because of incompetence, class structure, privilege, uh, entitlement, a feeling in their general social uh, setup that education was only something that the underclasses or did or certain mechanicals and the upper class needs to know how to have fun, but does not need to know how to do these uh, technical things. Somebody else can do it for you. It's amazing, but they paid the cost, and we're paying it too. Bernie Sanders said college education should be free at public schools. When I went to UCLA, it was free. We didn't have a tuition. That was after Ronald Reagan got elected governor. Pray uh, tell he was campaigning on the plank that he was going to destroy free higher education because all it did was produce long-haired hippies and militant Negroes who were anti-American and gave sympathy and comfort to our commie enemies. Okay, so... It's a bad deal, and we now see no mental health. The health care system's gone to hell. The rich have gotten very rich. Everybody else has gotten broke, and our buying power is less than it ought to be. And we call Reagan St. Ron, the Reagan. You know, everybody loves him. I remember there was a plebiscite at UCLA a few years ago to name the medical center, the Ronald Reagan Medical Center. And I just went off on a student faculty meeting at one time. I said, what in the devil is wrong with you? You do realize he closed this place down five times saying it was socialized medicine and would lead to creeping socialism. And the Supreme Court had to reinstate the medical center. And now you want to honor this clown who was trying to kill it by naming it after him. And you didn't even know any better. See, there's that. Lie told long enough and loud enough. Yeah, he got the airport, right? He got the yeah. airport in D.C. Like he fired all yeah. the air traffic controllers and they got an airport for him. Fired all of them. He was supporting <laughs> uh, West Wallachia, who was the Polish guy or something like that. Mm-hmm. He led a strike 
of the government employees, and he supported him as a hero, yet he fired the air traffic controllers who were striking to get improved air traffic safety, and he fired all of them saying they didn't have a right. Rank hypocrisy, and now we still suffer from it. A lot of what's wrong with the country was set up during the reign of that SOB. He was a brain-dead sucker who was a figurehead, and somebody else was probably running the government, and he was reading or acting out a written script. I remember. Well, you know, it was, you know, Papa, Poppy Bush was running the government. His vice well, president. Well, I don't know. I don't think it was even Bush. I talked to somebody that was very high in the administration. We were drinking a lot of whiskey together and asked <laughs> And he says, even though he was uh, highly placed in the White House and the eight years he was there, he never met the president. He said he met the individual identified as Ronald Reagan, but Ronald Reagan was so, let's say, reduced in mental capacity that all he would do is sit around and drool and mooch jelly beans. So they would give him scripts, literally, and he still had the ability as an actor to memorize the scripts quickly. He could retain it for an hour or so, so they would just set him up in a fake old 1950s television studio and give him the script and let him go for it. And when he was talking to somebody, they'd give him one of these earbud IFDs so he could hear what they were telling him to say. Now, they did a lot wrong in that administration that we still pay for. We went in debt to the People's Republic of China, and we still haven't paid any of the long overdue interest. We got the tax structure set around, so the very, very rich got very, very much richer, and the rest of us had a chunk drug driven in, so there's a huge gap between those who have and the rest of us, whereas there used to be a graded progression up to that point. 1970, the CEO of General Motors made approximately four and a half times what the senior linemen made. Now it's like several thousand times more. Wow. You see. I remember in 1973, 74, 75, I remember in 76, when they made me the public defender for the city of Memphis, I got paid a whopping $12,000 a year salary. The judges got $18,000 a year salary. Mm -hmm. I had gotten the Datsun 240Z, and the Datsun 240Z with everything on it cost me $2,600. Mm. Now, that same thing would probably be one of the Nissan sports cars. And what is it now? $65,000, eighty, eighty-five thousand dollars uh, mm-hmm. nine times more expensive. Mm-hmm. And, well, that's more than, shoot. 2400 2685000 is a heck of a lot more than 10 times. Mm-hmm. You know, that's way more. That's 80 times more expensive, but the public defender who runs the office isn't making 80 times more than $12,000. Mm-hmm. 
it, it, that's what you, you owe to the Reagan administration. But now everybody loves him and they hate Trump. Trump's nowhere near as bad as Ronald Reagan, even what Reagan's administration used to say, talking about racist nonsense. Reagan made all of these speeches about black welfare African or black welfare queens cheating the public out of all of their money, which was why times were hard because of these black women driving Cadillacs with three ankle-length fur coats on welfare, and they were cheap. That's why everybody was having a hard time, not because his administration was helping the public be ripped off by an inequitous economic situation, which George Herbert Walker Bush had the decency to name as it was voodoo economics, his trickle-down economy, where if you make it, people will buy it rather than making what the people want to buy. And no matter how broke they are, they'll want to buy what you make, so give all the money to the people that make it rather than making sure that the people who would buy it have the money. And see, that's even against what Henry Ford used to do. He said, I believe in paying the ordinary worker a very good salary because that will enable him to buy what he makes. We seem to have forgotten that. Well, you look at the the Walmart situation where you got workers that work 40 hours a week that came before uh, the food. They got to get an EBT card, and you work 40 hours a week one of the largest corporations in, in the world. Uh-huh. And, like, the minimum wage should be a living. Like, you know, Dr. King talked about the living wage. Like, you know, you look at Dom Chomsky. He said that the minimum wage should be almost $30 an hour. You know what? It always, see, propagandizing people. Show you how effective it is. A guy who would greatly benefit by raising the wage scale because he's a blue-collar worker, he thinks in his inner soul that raising the minimum wage and the expected standard for everybody would be socialism. He doesn't know what socialism is, but he thinks it's wrong. You know, and you get this thing where Machiavelli said uh, in his treatise, The Prince, 500 years ago, he said, you can oppress people more than you ordinarily could if you give them a chance to become part of the class that does the oppressing. If you do, however slight that chance is, they will put up with and encourage their own oppression. Mm-hmm. So you Republican rank and file acting like they're going to win the big lottery uh, in two weeks. So they support policies that are actually harmful to them with the mistaken idea that somehow or another supporting a policy that actually helps them is somehow wrong. Yeah. Long enough and loud enough in the media is too ignorant and inept these days to actually do valid reporting on anything. And they spout a lot of nonsense in a negligent and reckless fashion that misleads the public. So it's a bad situation we have, and the root cause of it is feminism. This stuff did not start in this country. We had race problems. 
we had some gender relations problems, but we did not have the general social, cultural, and natural and national malaise that we have now until feminism got sway. And they didn't just get rights and equality. They were doing what they were doing to intentionally, deliberately, and willfully suppress masculinity. And that's taken the yin-yang balance to a point where it is out of balance. See, like, look at the hashtag Me Too thing. Mm -hmm. The feminist talking about the women are equal in all respects to men. Well, if that's the case, how in the world can a man exploit a woman? You see what I'm saying? It's like men don't exploit men face-to-face. Why? It's like, man, you're going to get punched out. I may lose, but it ain't going down that way. Now, there's some punk athlete that was talking about his agent and somebody else were trying to sexually proposition him and put him in a bad place and he didn't know what to do. Well, he's an athlete. He could have busted somebody right in his jaw. Man, sometimes mm-hmm. got to do what a man's got to do. Right. And wise enough, he knows when he's got to do it. Now, I say that as a retired criminal court judge. Sometimes men have to do what they have to do. And in sentencing, I always took that into consideration. Sometimes a man's got to do what a man's got to do. And a wise man knows when he's got to do it. Mm. And what for? Well, you know, Judge, while I think about that, even with the athletes, uh, I keep on thinking about the fact that you said about Cosby. They are attacking heterosexual males, but black males in particular, we're not allowed to be uh, heterosexual men. Like, this is like punishment for the 60s, though. Like, look at all the alpha males we had back in the 60s, and look what happened to them. But look, it's a feminist conspiracy, and it mm-hmm. even has the same related two leaders, mm-hmm. Attorney Allred and Attorney Bloom, and Bloom is Allred's daughter. There's a sickness. Every time I see them near something like this, I know it's a fix. The two of them are behind all of the complainants against Cosby. They're behind all of the women that are complaining about Trump. They are involved with all of the women that are taking down everybody else. And I remember Allred at an Emmy party. I was there because I'd been nominated the third time for an Emmy. I didn't get it, but I was nominated. Hell, they gave it to a show that had been canceled after six weeks, but, you know, it is what it is. Right. But she was drinking wine, and she said, She sometimes knows that the statute of limitations is long run. She extorts money out of people by saying that we will file or we will bring this out unless we quietly settle this for X amount of money. And then they had some ridiculous arrangement where they'd get a percentage of whatever the woman got for having her story covered or if they made a movie off of it. I think we find out even against Trump, one of two, several of Bloom's clients were being solicited to say something about Trump. One even was promised the three quarters of a million dollars if she came out and she backed off of it. 
but see, you get money for women to come forward and complain, and then you get the edit, one of the contributors to Teen Vogue saying she has no problem with false accusations against men that ruin an innocent man's career and life so long as it helps out the feminist cause. See, that's one of our bad evils today, and a lot of what's wrong with society today can be attributed to the radical and, you know, aggressive feminists. I'm not talking about feminism. That's different. I'm all for that. That's like masculinity. Mm-hmm. This feminism stuff is like males who hate girls and want to be girls. Mm-hmm. That's like girls who hate boys but want to be boys. Right. Something is wrong with that equation. You know, they demonize the opposite sex. Now, I like women. And my lifetime slogan has been protecting womanhood and promoting manhood so that can be accomplished. Mm -hmm. I teach boys on their way to be men. It's part of the man training I try to give them. It's your job to be expendable. You should be proud to have the opportunity to die heroically for the right cause. Develop the wisdom to know what that is so it's not for foolishness. But we are expendable. But we look forward to or should look forward to the opportunity to be a hero. And if the kind comes, even if we lose our lives or suffer and get maimed, it's our duty to rise to the occasion to overcome fear, to be brave and act with courage for well, Judge, rightness, whether it is physical or moral. Well, Judge, what do you think about the man's movement, the man's rights movement, that they're, they're trying to, you know, make their say, hey, man's got, no, a man got right to, you know, they're going out there, they have their rallies and their, their you know, events and the feminists, well, the extreme feminists come out there to try to disrupt everything. Well, there's a a woman that did a documentary about it called Red Pill. Have you seen that documentary? I have. Former feminist. The bottom line is, it's free speech. Why not? Men need to advocate it. And I, frankly, am predicting a backlash against this radical feminism. People are going to get the idea of how much it has screwed up society. Most of what's wrong with America right now is not race-oriented. It's problems with the masculine feminine balance in this country. We've lost the work ethic. We've lost the drive. We've lost the purpose. We've lost the dedication to cause. We have been overtaken by a sense of, in, sense, a sense of entitlement, a sense of the right to be pampered, a sense of the appropriateness of over-emotional displays and yielding to and being controlled by emotions. That's not right. I put that, and somebody put a picture up on Twitter about me scowling when they booked me for standing up for a woman in this racist juvenile court. Yeah, he put me in jail for five days. He's a low-down SOB. He's always been a creep. He's never worked hard. Since he got out of law school, he's worked down there for that evil institution. Uh, and 
I did what I had to do. And he said, well, if you got, I said, there's a difference between manly anger at a wrong and somebody crying and losing it. No. That feminist idea of emotion, Harold Horn, by the way, is the creep. Anybody Mm -hmm. from Shelby County, he's a low-down creep, and anybody that continues to hire that evil incompetent who told me uh, on the part of the tape that they erased and edited that he couldn't hear this woman's case because he had a golf tee off or something like that he had to go to. So anyway, yeah, I was angry. That's a warrior of rage, you know? I like that. We do. I'm not going, I'm going, you SOB, you low-down scumbag. But judge, a black man can't get angry like that. You can't have warrior rage. Why not? I mean, that's how they got it. They got us neutered. Almost. I mean, I'm just saying, like, it's like systemic neutering and masculation. We need to get away from that. And one thing everybody forgets about the 60s is we adopted that attitude that some of us were going to play kamikaze. Right. And I can guarantee you that when that happens again, there's going to be a change. Have you seen this latest clip of this beating in Pasadena, I oh, no, sir. They said this black man had committed all these traffic violations. He wasn't driving when they found him, so it wasn't anything committed in their presence. So they tried to drag him back to the car to sit him in the car so they can put him there. And he was 20 years old, so they wound up. The video shows they had him down. One guy's got a knee in his back and ramming his face into the sidewalk, and the other guy has got one of these nightsticks that they have outlawed, riot control batons, and he is deliberately beating this man on his backside until he purposely breaks the man's leg. So then they arrest him. They recommend that he get a high bond. They put a $50,000 bond on him. They made the bond for him, and the Los Angeles County DA's office declined to prosecute him, saying there's insufficient evidence to charge him with anything, and they're investigating these police. See, somebody is going to play kamikaze and say, oh, hell no, and somebody's actually going to get shot. Now, that happened, but you see, one or two times? Right, last year. Last last year. When it gets 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, somebody says, God damn, Bubba, I better stop that crap. He shot Earl's ass, and hell, you know, he got three children. Ain't nobody going to support now. Uh, we need to start treating them a little more, uh, you know, circumspectly. You know, they's dangerous. I mean, I just, I think it's gone. I mean, I mean, I don't think it's gone. I just, you know, like I had talked to this woman uh, recently. She's a beautiful woman, former model. She's in her early forties, and she said that she is not broken, but her market is broken. Like she can't find a man that's compatible with her. I mean, she's beautiful. She get people to hit on her all the time, but the guys that in her age bracket, they not just, they not, they can't step up to the plate. These are black men. I talk, look, a very, very rich person who managed the section for CBS syndication that included me, Judy, mm-hmm. Oprah, and Phil, 
before he died, asked me to talk to his daughters to be candid. So I sat at the table with them. The oldest one was kind of plain, but she got married, and the youngest one was absolutely drop-dead movie star gorgeous. Mm-hmm. She had a master's degree and was working on her Ph.D. And Daddy was a very, 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 et cetera, rich man. So she says, Daddy says, I can be candid with you, Judge Brown. Don't get offended by what I say. I said, I won't. said, do you think I'm attractive? I said, well, dear, you drop dead gorgeous. She said, well, I'm smart. I'm working on my Ph.D. and I'm in my early 20s. I said, yes. I know that. Your daddy's a smart man. You inherited it. Well, I've got money. You know, I'm worth a couple of hundred million dollars right now. She said, yes, I know that. (laughs) She said, Judge, why can't I find an eligible bachelor? I said, well, what do you mean? She says, every guy that takes me out is with like one of my girlfriends, but just with a dick. What happened to the men? I know there are men because my daddy's one, and he was one of the few straight, real guys in Hollywood. Wow, that's a rarity, huh? <laughs> I mean, he's a big, muscular guy, and he's uh-huh. like whiskey, and uh, he got up one time at this thing in Manhattan and said, I like me some Judge Joe Brown. He said, but I tell you what, I'd hate to have to square off with him because he would set my white ass in my place. He said, but that Judy, that Judy is an ugly woman. And they had to clean that up PR-wise. It took them a few weeks. <laughs> he had Patty LaBelle up there, and they sang to me, what is it? Scoochie, scoochie, yah, yah, yah. Oh, hey, man, I like that. <laughs> he said, I like me some Judge Joe Brown. So anyway, I mean, I think it was Patty's belt. Yeah, that was it. Uh-huh. It may have been something else down at one of these New Orleans jazz fest. Uh-huh. I think Magic Johnson was sitting next to me. He got up and he walked behind the curtain, and it was a surprise. And you know, the Brick Brother can sing. So oh, Magic Johnson can Yeah. Oh, man, he can really get down. Well, anyway, wow. where's that coming from? You, walk out, you know, out front, but yeah. But see, even the rich white women—they're going off. Why can't I find a guy that's not just a girl with a dick? And you see, that's like a hood rat. A hood yeah. rat is like a lesbian in a boy's body. The lesbian and these boys are raised like girls. Mm-hmm. They have girl values but they both like girls sexually. It's just the boys have boy plumbing. If you had a fairy godmother who could wave a magic wand over a lesbian so she'd wake up in a boy's body tomorrow morning, you'd have no difference. (laughs) And that's very bad in our community because it's a matriarchy. You know, 82% of the children born to black parents or uh, biological parents under 20 in America, 82% are illegitimate. There's no daddy at all. So 
just think about it. That means 82% of the young people in America that are black are not likely to get man training. And the man training is not just for the boys. The presence of the man is necessary for the girls to grow up to be healthy. Because it's like this. See, you get a girl who likes daddy. Even if she gets stuck without a man, at least she's got an idea of what her boy is supposed to grow up to be. So she can at least go get what he needs. And she's got a grandfather, uncles, or brothers she can go to or know what kind of boyfriend to be bothered with. But if you have a girl raised where there's no father around, a grandfather, what happens is instead of the girl who does have a daddy figure, saying, Daddy, could I have five dollars? Oh baby, I'll just give you ten dollars day before yesterday. Daddy, please could I have five dollars? Look, girl, here's twenty. Now don't bother me the rest of the week, okay? Yes, Daddy. Thank you, Daddy. <laughs> you see, she'll grow up to be a good woman. She'll know how to handle men, know how to deal with her son. The ones that don't come up around men, when they get grown and they're trying to deal with a male, they put a hand on the hip and get the rag waggling their head. Look here. Let me tell you what I'm going to make you do. You hear me? And that is not going to work. Yeah, I mean, I, I see what you're saying just now. I'm thinking to myself, how, what's the percentage of, of the children being born out of wedlock? What is the percentage of black males having these children? Well, the problem is, is when 82% of the children are the young youth in black communities in America, 20 and under, are born out of wedlock, what do you think? It's a mess. So, like, what, is, what, what do black males, I mean, like, a lot of black men don't have kids as well. Well, so, yeah, they don't. Mm-hmm. It's like, that, by the way, has got a lot to do with politics. Like in Shelby County, one prominent mm-hmm. black uh, politician had 18 outside children right. in juvenile court. Another one, a prominent one, had 14. Even a former white mayor had two half-black kids through junior, juvenile court. You know, so it's like this was a white mayor. He's dead now. But I mean, this is so about Trump. No, I'm talking about much more recently. Oh, okay. Um, Chandler, I'm not mentioning any names. Okay. At this time. Uh-huh. Uh But anyway, you have this problem. Some people are unsure of their masculinity, so they attempt to prove it by a fecundity. I've got a lot of children, therefore I'm a man, rather than I support the ones I do have. Now, it's not saying that they don't try, but one of the problems with this mix of the 82% is that there's not a joint choice. See, they've got a doctrine called intentionality. And that's where, let's say, somebody donated sperm to a sperm bank or somebody intentionally donated sperm to a woman who wanted to get artificially inseminated. Well, she got pregnant as she intended and says, well, I'm going to go sue the daddy for child support. Oh, no. 
I didn't intend to do that. I just donated sperm. And the courts across the country have come up with this doctrine of intentionality. It was not the man's intention at the time he donated sperm to a sperm bank or directly to this woman through a clinical procedure that he be the father. Well, that doctrine really needs to be extended so when the paternity is at the intent of the mother but not at the father, he just gets trapped. Because, you see, there's this thing about the sexual revolution that occurred in the 60s. Birth control had just come along in the early 60s and nobody got pregnant. Women had sex, they had abortions, they cast out birth control pills freely. I remember working for the first Head Start program in L.A. in 1965 as an assistant teacher. They required all of the mothers to come in for birth control classes, and they got them birth control pills, foam, and various other contraceptives, and they saw to it. That was part of the requirement of having your kid in there. Then these right-wing overly religious type got control of those things in the country and it's caused problems. Like, for example, one of our big problems is type 2 diabetes. Mm -hmm. That causes all ethnic lines and especially us and the Mexicans too, type 1 diabetes. Well, you know, it's very expensive taking Invokana and Ganymed XR and Trulicity and all of that other stuff, but tragically, because these overly religious right-wing neocon types have banned any stem cell research or collection of fresh stem cells, we can do nothing about it except by expensive medication. You go to Hong Kong or Singapore, where the People's Republic of China controls the area, and for $150,000, you can get genetically modified so you know not are cured, you no longer are a diabetic, 100%. Wow. You don't have to take any medication the rest of your life. They change you genetically. They introduce a genetically vi- uh, modified virus, which modifies all of your cells, And then it doesn't do anything until you get treated with a fresh stem cell course so your body can use them to correct its problem so you're not a diabetic. But we can't do that in America. Wow, that's amazing. So you But people with with means can go over there, right? Yes, they can. mm. It's like they want to outlaw abortion, but half of these clowns that are against it they send their daughters to Switzerland or across to another state where nobody has a problem with it. Like they'll send them out to California all the time to get abortions. A lot of these young little rich white uh, girls whose daddies are these Baptist preachers, they go out to California, come back, no problem. They're like to say, well, Jimmy Carter had that so-called inoperable brain cancer that up now is cured. Well, all kinds of things can happen with uh, gene therapy, but you need fresh stem cells mm-hmm. to do to grow to match the new gene code. That is fascinating stuff. I mean, so what do you think about it? Do you, you, you believe there's a cure for cancer out there? 
Well, I think they're going to get a handle on it, but the problem is, is even if you go to a museum and look at dinosaur skeletons, you see that 65, 85, 95, 120 million years ago, these animals were suffering from cancer. There are all sorts of reasons for people getting cancer. They come from viral infections. They come from uh, too much exposure to ultraviolet light. You get skin cancers. You get exposed to chemicals and harsh things in the environment. Your genes may just get out of control and something doesn't grow right. So the problem with getting a cure for cancer is that it's not cancer singular. It's a multiplicity of ailments that all are called cancer. So it's a process of getting a handle on one type of cancer, another type of cancer, and another type, and that's going to take time. But you see... One of our problems is is we can't use all of the potential therapies because the neocon hyper-religious type that runs the political process in Washington, D.C. has forbidden it. You know, I think about what you said. Well, Nancy Reagan, she was forced to himself research of all people because yeah, of what happened to Ronald Reagan. Hollywood. So, mm-hmm. You know, Ronald Reagan was the right-wing saint, but he was brain-dead. He didn't know what he was doing, and he was a Hollywood type. So, you know, the whole Hollywood nine yards about stars and their fantasy. And see, I saw Reagan speak three times over two consecutive days. We picketed him. It was 1968. And each time he said, Al, Al, have you got my speech? I can't seem to find it. I must have lost my speech. Well, my friend, I guess I'll have to ad-lib this. Please excuse me, but I think I can recall my point. And he said that each one of the three speeches, he said the exact same thing. He stumbled the same place in each speech. He coughed, he scratched his head, and most interestingly of all, interesting of all, he dropped his pen the same place in each speech. So those of us who had been picketing and had seen these three speeches came to the conclusion, wow, this guy doesn't just have a speech writer. He's got a script writer. He's an actor. He's playing a part. No wonder he gets everything because, like, you can get a star playing a submarine commander, a pilot, a cowboy, a sheriff, or a bad man, or playing the role of governor and eventually playing the role of president. Somebody's writing a script. But, you know, in the movie, you accept him as a submarine commander. In the movie, you accept him as a fighter pilot. In the movie, you accept him as a cowboy. In the movie, you accept him as a rogue cowboy. In the movie, you accept him as the sheriff. You know, you accept him as the priest. You accept him as the businessman in his B-grade movies. You know, nobody else is competing for the ratings. He plays the role of somebody who would be a good governor. Somebody's writing a script for him. 
and that performance where he gave the same exact words over three occasions for three of the same speeches where he said he lost his speech. Reagan was interesting. You say all that. I was thinking about, uh, like, sometimes he was good at working the press, like, when they asked him a question. Worked the press. He had a little IFB bud in his ear. Okay. The receiver, it looks like a hearing aid. And okay, you yeah. Hear what somebody is saying. I used to have one occasionally, and I'd take it out. Uh-huh. Somebody, some of the executive producers who want to keep talking in here, taking it out, I want to hear this. You know, so they would talk to him, and they would have to have a blackout in there so nobody had a radio receiver to hear it. So I think sometimes though, like well, I know it's like he'll ask a he'll answer a question he wants to answer, but then somebody asks him like a hard question, he like he actually couldn't hear him. Like he couldn't yeah, hear I, him. Exactly. You <laughs> point, you hear, like I can't hear. Right. He made a point he's wearing a hearing aid. No, that was an IFB, but this guy is a hearing aid and they say he was hard of hearing. That's because he didn't have any ideas. He's follow he's an actor. He's playing a role that somebody else has created. And also, what are your, what are your thoughts about his uh, campaign campaign guy, the guy known as Lee Atwater? He was an interesting Atwater, Roe, and what is the fool that got shot? Oh, uh, uh, Ray, Rayleigh, uh, Brad, Brady, 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 Brady. Brady. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a bigger bunch of reprehensible rogue scoundrels you've never come up with, particularly mm-hmm. that Carl Rowe talking about uh, worldwide pollution is caused by cows farting, or that one that Reagan pushed out. I don't understand all of the clamor. These children getting free lunches are getting a well-balanced lunch. They are getting ketchup. Isn't that a vegetable? <laughs> Damn ignorant fool. No, like you like a, a granddaddy. What about Reagan that people like? I, I mean, couldn't stand it. His <laughs> acting was horrible. Mm-hmm. And he played these predictable parts. He never was a big-time actor. He played in what they call B-movies, in other words, second-rate movies. He was in the wartime military propaganda unit, and that's mm-hmm. what he did. Before the war, he had ROTC when he was coming through college, and he was a radio announcer before he went Hollywood. He was in ROTC, and he did two years as a reserve officer in the cavalry. So he could ride a horse. He translated that into doing all of these parts as a cowboy. Now, the other thing was he got into politics, and he was a snitch. He's one that snitched on all of the other Hollywood people about them being too liberal and left-wing, therefore they must be commies. That's when that whole thing came up with Joe McCarty uh, in the late 50s, mm-hmm. him out there trying to expose commies. Well, Ronald Reagan, when he was uh, leadership for SAG, Green Actors Guild, was snitching on people and playing funky to that fool McCarty. Yeah, he, he lost a lot of friends in Hollywood over that. 
Well, he was a B-grade actor. He acted in the wartime propaganda movies like Run Silent, Run Deep. He played the submarine commander. And what's interesting is when he ran against Carter, they put him up as Carter was the peanut farmer and a crank, and Reagan was the war hero, the submarine commander, and all he did was act the part in a movie, propaganda movie. But the tragedy was Jimmy Carter graduated first in his class at the Naval Academy in Annapolis. Mm -hmm. And before he retired, he was acting Commodore for the North Atlantic Ballistic Missile Submarine Fleet. He really was down in that hunt for the Red October stuff in a nuclear submarine parked under the ice. Wow. But, you know, we had Ronnie Reagan as a war hero, and he never faced the bullet, anything. And then we've got Jimmy Carter, who in the Cold War was playing tag with Russian nuclear attack submarines. Yeah, I've heard of uh, extermination on board, 16 Polaris uh, missiles. Mm-hmm. I also was reading uh, online, like, almost for 20 years ago, there was, like, people were talking about that Ronald Reagan allegedly raped uh, an actress when he was the president of the Screams Actors Guild. Like, he raped yeah. her on his couch. Well, yeah, well, that 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 was so common. I remember my headquarters were over at what's now KTLA Channel 5 mm-hmm. on Sunset near Van Ness, right? Uh, a block west of the 101 freeway. Mm. And it used to be Warner Brothers Studios back in the 20s and early 30s. So where I had my headquarters, they called the Plantation Mansion, because it looked like it. And Mm. when they decided to renovate it, they took the sheet rock off. So we were surprised to find these stairs down to underground passages with old yellow paper taped to the walls with direction to, you know, Teddy Bear's uh, bungalow and uh, this star's bungalow and that star's bungalow where Cecil B. DeMille, the famous old-time director, would go over there and do the casting couch thing secretly and nobody could see him. And the tunnels went up and they were blocked off now by coverings where they had just asphalted over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dean Harlow, you know, that kind of thing. He'd go over there and pay visits and get the nooks. Casting mm-hmm. couch was a reality, but now the casting couch is LGBT stuff. I know a woman, a beautiful woman, but she's really stone cold hard now. She had a white husband who was uh, an executive producer who rose up in Hollywood. And she talks about all of the penis that she uh, sucked and fellatio and all of the executives she screwed to get her husband ahead. She never wants to see a penis again, so she's a full-fledged, full-time lesbian. And I can remember sitting at a table at a party when the show first started back in 98, 99, somebody's birthday party at a big club, and I was sitting at this table with all of these beautiful soap opera and movie 
movie stars, and I was grinning. I was a bachelor, and they were grinning at me, and I was having a good time. And this very beautiful woman bounced up to the stage and said to another woman that was sitting one over from me that I had my eye on, she said, oh, Susan, oh, Susan, here, I'm so horny. Can I come over Tuesday and have you eat me out? God, I just need an orgasm so badly. I said, oh, man. And one of the girls grinned at me and said, oh, we forgot to tell you, we like the taste of, you know, basically, she didn't use that word, but uh, she used the P word. She said, we like the taste of nookie. We didn't tell you, but we like the yaku. I said, oh, man, wow. So that was the stock and trade. And see, a lot of what's going on when you look at some of the Hollywood stars is, I hate to see a woman abused, but the bottom line is, is you hear this thing, I had my dream, I always wanted to do this. Well, develop talent so you can get there on your talent. You don't have to use sex to skip the talent part. Or I remember one of them just recently was complaining about it was unfair how she was abused. She had always wanted to play this woman, play this role, and she had her heart set on it. And the woman was uh, a kind of a crazy woman. And historically, she was a lesbian, even though she was married. So she got all worked up when the director insisted that she do this nude love scene uh, with another woman to fulfill the lesbian part of the real story. Well, Selma Hayek or Hayek with uh, Frida Kahlo, you talking about the Frida Kahlo movies? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, you could object. They could have put a body double in there. You could say, no, I'm not going to do that movie. A lot of actors have said, I just don't do those kind of things, and that's it. But nobody made you. Well, I always had my heart set. Well, too bad. Hollywood is fantasy. Go get a job in the real world. Right. You know, but I am against anything that's forcible. You know, you don't have to creep out and give everybody a manhood a bad name. That's wrong. But some of this stuff, remember, the contributor to Teen Vogue, it's okay to make a false accusation and ruin a man if it helps out the feminist cause. Look at Allred and Bloom and all of the women that they've been induced to come forward 30 years after they did something and didn't complain about it then, all of a sudden they get talked in on the promise of money. Now they're offended. And they keep going back. You know, like if the guy was doing you wrong, why do you go back three or four times? And I think as a man, I say, look, let's get real. I like to be real. I don't care whether I step on somebody's toes or not. Uh, reality is reality. I'm a grown man. I'm a mature man. I'm not unattractive. I have some style. I had mm-hmm. money. And when I was a bachelor, yeah, I tried to get over. But I got refused more than I got accepted. So I'm looking at all these super fine stars. How is it that these ugly, fat, out-of-shape guys with ugly faces get the nookie and, you know, so easily? And that is not my real-world experience. You know what I'm saying? Right. I said, okay, you know, let's be real. There's a degree in here from some serious stuff, which is wrong, way wrong, no excuse for it. Somebody should actually be punished 
And over here on the other side, it's not that nobody, anybody made you do it. You're just remorseful. I remember when they had that thing on Cosby and they had those women on the magazine cover, mm-hmm. all of those women, and I looked at some of them. I say, I recognize this one, this one, this one, this one. I said, I remember sometimes when I come back to L.A. in the 70s, taking a little vacation time, and I went to some of these Hollywood parties. And the woman would walk in with a see-through blouse on with a jacket. She'd take the jacket off. She didn't have a bra on. There were no pockets. You could see her nipples, everything else, not just the outline. You could see them like through a sheer pair of stockings or fishnet. And low-slung pants, which were the style then. And in half hour, she'd have the pants off. And she'd be running around in thong panties with a chain around her waist. And then the top would come off, and then the panties would come off, and there would be only the chain. And you'd go to get something out of your coat that's in a bedroom on a bed, and she's screwing somebody on the bed. And then 45 minutes later, you go to the bathroom to take a pee, and she's in there doing somebody in the bathroom. And you might run into the same woman the third time. She's doing somebody in a closet. And then, you know, you, you're you out there for two weeks taking your time, and you go to another party, and she's there doing the same thing. She was being a groupie, and the term that they used was sex, drugs, and rock and roll, or sex, drugs, and athlete, sex, drugs, and TV star, sex, drugs, and movie star. Mm-hmm. So they were getting what they wanted. It's just they may have had a remorse later. There was one woman that briefly got in the movies. She worked as a bartender at a place called Sports Page, and she was notorious for giving head jobs behind the bar and going back to the kitchen area and screwing some important executive types, and she finally made the movies. She screwed her way in there. Everybody knew it. Mm-hmm. So you get these kind of things. It's been happening for years, and I don't think anybody made that woman. I didn't see anybody make that woman do it. She did it on her own. And when I was out there, I didn't participate in that stuff, so they'd try to set you up so they could get a handle on it. But I saw all of the homosexual stuff like that where they were doing it like the old-time casting couch, but it wasn't boy-girl. It was boy-boy or girl-girl. Mm-hmm. And very, very seldom you got a straight guy in there, but he acted at his peril. And some of these guys, some of the things they did were just plain stupid and wrong, but a lot of this is hype. You know, there's no excuse for doing a woman wrong, but, you know, there's no excuse for just throwing out an accusation years after the fact of doing something that amounts to flirting, which at the time it was done, uh, the law read it's no harm in asking once. Let me ask you this about the Tavis Smiley situation where, they, you know, PBS did their independent investigation and they claimed that he had uh, unprofessional, like, you know, having sexual relationship with subordinates. And, you know, he lost all his you know, sponsors and underwriters to his show. You know, general rule, I would tell people, don't dip your wick in the company ink. 
bad move. You will have to work with them, and they might get peeved if you get an affair with somebody else, and then they're going to come back at you. That's a dumb move. What about the fantasy, like, about the, like, what Obama, Barack Obama, Michelle Obama was his boss at one point. When yeah, they ain't dating. that something. There you go. <laughs> so they, why, why, is, is that an exception? Were they mad at Tavis for not marrying the girl? But you see, mm-hmm. here's the other thing. Have you ever heard of a guy complaining about a woman made me have sex with her? I, one time DMX, but that he's the exception, I guess. <laughs> well, yeah, look at him. He said he was raped while he was sleeping or something like that. Yeah, like, well, you know, is he, <laughs> was he complaining about it? <laughs> I mean, it's my, it's, uh, something else said, okay, his little head said, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you see, the bottom line is, is if somebody talking about they made me half sick, I said, oh, man, come on, you need to check your masculinity. His mother's supposed to play about, like, erectile dysfunction, you'll think. <laughs> you know, well, I mean, another thing, too. Uh, <laughs> I've heard people, these gays, just so I say, you didn't bust somebody in his mouth. Mm. You know, sometimes a man's got to do what a man's got to do. Just needs the wisdom to know when he's got to do it. Yeah. <laughs> you're not getting that man training, there's a problem there. But you see, it gets back to that whole equality thing. Mm-hmm. Legally, men and women are equal, but they're not the same. Vigilatis, the French say. Uh, women are not as strong as men. There's a thing called sexual dimorphism. Men are bigger, stronger on average than women. Mm-hmm. So they need to get the idea that the yin-yang balance is an important thing. You can't come at a man a certain way because when you do that, your safety becomes dependent upon his good will. You see, women did not force and acquire the right to vote. An all-male electorate gave it to them. Mm. Women cannot protect themselves from men except in small exceptions. Men are acculturated and socialized to indulge and support women. But these feminists want to forget that reality. And it's like, okay, you're going to put yourself in a situation where you do know that if you were a guy, and this was a normal guy, that you were doing this too, he would have busted you in your mouth. Well, you keep on pushing it that way. He may forget that you are a woman and listen to your feminist ranting and believe you're fully equal and bust you in your mouth. And remember, you like Wonder Woman where she jacks up five, six dudes before breakfast to work up an appetite. Right. You know, you could put them in the military and combat units. They're supposed to take a bullet like the guys are supposed to. So you get these young people that you have acculturated and conditioned to go for this, they come out, you know, you got a problem with domestic violence because the woman isn't a woman in their eyes. She's just like the guys, except she's got a nookie, but you can treat her like you treat guys. You know, if guys get out of hand, they got to fight behind the roadhouse. 
But you can't do that with women. And some of these people need to get that in their head. That's the reality of life. There is a rule with this. Women and children are a resource. Men protect them, provide for them, and are expendable. What do they say when the ship's sinking? Women and children in lifeboats first. So if you want that to happen, there are ways to ensure that that happens. If you don't care so the guys could get in the lifeboat before the women and children, and you can see who can get in the lifeboat, who can throw somebody out of the lifeboat to take their seat, then you play that too. But, you know, you don't really want that. It's 2.17 a.m. in the morning, and there's a nice two-story townhouse you have, and you hear glass breaking, and somehow or another the alarm didn't go off because somebody cut the wires leading out of the house, and it's obvious somebody is inside that doesn't need to be there downstairs. Wouldn't it be nice to have the strong man that knows how to take care of business laying next to you to go down and see about the problem? Or do you as a woman want to be the one that's got to deal with? Mm. You see, that's the bottom line. The bottom line is, is, yeah, women probably provided more food by gathering and, you know, preparing the food than the men did from hunting. But the thing of it was is, you know, saber-toothed tigers, bears, Wolves, lions, tigers have a taste for human flesh. <laughs> it was up to the hunters to make sure that those things didn't eat too many people. I mean, for most of human existence, mankind lived in a real-life horror movie, you know, like in the middle of the night, something horrible freaks in and snatches you. But it's a real-life four-footed animal with large size, large teeth, large mouth, large amount of strength, and a large appetite for people. So who's going to go get them? It wasn't the women that went after them. It was the men because they were stronger for what it's worth. And I was, when you said that, I was thinking about the fact uh, this comedian named Joe Rogan, he was joking about the fact that he would not want a woman to guard him if he was president in the Secret Service. <laughs> if they if they like a joke about it, people like, oh my God, then like what he said made a lot of sense. Well you know, I, I, I'm about, an old school guy. I'll look at it this way. I'll respect women. I have uh female lawyers, got female doctors, dentists, you know, they're cool. But mm-hmm. I'm not gonna have a woman for a boss. No how, no way. I will not work for a woman. Somebody says, we'll give you $5 million starting off on this with a $20 million bonus. If you do this, we'll lose the ball. No, I'm sorry. I can't do that. You're so outdated, Judge. You're behind the times when people tell you. Man. Oh, I don't care. I'm a man. I'm a man. There have been occasions when I've had to stand and deliver, and I didn't run. I'm satisfied with my personal bravery. There have been some physical moments. Mm-hmm. One of these days, I'll write in a book what happened a couple of times when I had a James Earl Ray case. It got quite lethal. I believe you are. I didn't flinch. But the bottom line is, is 
a man should have the opportunity to have rites of passage or moments to prove himself so he becomes comfortable with his bravery. In other words, when the stuff hits the fan, I know that I'll stand up. I mean, right now I might not rationalize it and I'll come up with all kinds of reasons why not, but when the crunch time comes, what I usually do is, you know, hell, do me, you know. Uh, I'm going to do you, you know, or I'm going to take somebody to Valhalla when we go out, you know. Yeah, though, I have a personal attitude. Yeah, though, I walk through the valley in the shadow of death. I fear no evil because I'm the baddest somebody in this damn valley, or at least I'm comporting myself like it, and I'm willing to deliver so that if you want to test me, you know, man's got to do what a man's got to do and have the wisdom to know when he's got to do it. You might take me out or I might take you out or we both might go, but it's going to get real interesting. And you see, I just can't have an attitude. I've spent my whole life, you know, learning these fine arts of how to do this kind of stuff. You know, you can take martial arts. You can go instead of buying, you know, some $180 Air Jordan, $200 tennis shoes. You can forego four pair of them, get yourself a nice pistol and a 12-gauge, 18-inch barrel shotgun, Mossberg 500 or 590, and then get you an AR platform, learn how to shoot the bloody doggone thing, and, you know, you don't have to worry about anything. You can handle your situation and stay yourself straight. Go get a handgun carry permit. You okay. You know, it's crazy, brother, from Philadelphia. He was in Memphis over the weekend. Uh, he started a movement called Black Guns Matter. He's a builds a rights, you know, a gun advocate, you know, a very articulate young brother. And uh, people signed up for it. And I forgot who uh, in the community center was North Memphis. Uh, 200 people signed up. It was a free event, but only 12 people showed up. So he was kind of disappointed. But if you listen to him online, it's like he got his, you know, he, he, he makes a very important case for uh, black folks arming themselves with guns, but also, you know, understanding the law and your rights. Yes, we need to take advantage of the law. I, I, I'm I a criminal court judge. I can tell you, the police can't stop you from being killed. Only thing they can do is draw a white chalk outline around your body. <laughs> it's your particular crime. It be Catch who did it if the fool runs his mouth off and brags about it. Right. Uh, you can't protect your family. Like that no retreat doctrine. You know what that's about? No, sir. A man's walking with his wife when somebody comes to hold him up. He might have a handgun carry permit. But if you've got a retreat rule, then he's supposed to take off and run and try to get away. What's he supposed to do? Leave his wife there? Leave his mother there, leave his children there, leave his girlfriend there while the bandit takes her out? No. So they have all of these qualifications. There's less than 10 states that ever had a duty to retreat. So what they would have is the man retreated because he moved his left heel back a half inch. That's sufficient for a retreat. He turned as though to remove himself. That's a sufficient retreat because the realistic rule uh, is that you can't leave your loved ones 
to be harmed by a bad guy. And some well-meaning idiots who in that state were able to prevail upon an unwise legislature to pass a retreat doctrine are foolish people, and it doesn't work in the real world. So, by the way, Tennessee's had a no-retreat doctrine for 150 years, which charged the jury on a murder trial and that self-defense claim. You say, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the defendant has raised the defense of self-defense. You are advised that he has no duty to retreat. He may stand his ground, except that's the first thing in the charge. So some states just advertise it, but that's the law. So you get Anderson Cooper salaciously trying to generate ratings, and he starts talking about the evils of the no-retreat doctrine. And as I mentioned earlier, Zimmerman did not have the right. It was Trayvon Martin who didn't have to retreat when Zimmerman approached him on the run and attacked him. And it was Trayvon Martin who, under the Florida self-defense laws, had the right to take Zimmerman's life when Zimmerman assaulted him, and Trayvon discovered that he had a pistol in his waistband, and he pounded Zimmerman's head into the sidewalk to put him in a state where he could no longer continue his aggression. And by the way, that's just exactly what you see in this recent video out of Pasadena where one cop's got his knee in this guy's back and is ramming his face in the sidewalk repeatedly. Really? Oh. So, you know. Well, well, speaking of uh, you know, crimes and murder, what is your take on this Lorenzo White thing? Well, the artist, you know, his wife got arrested out in Cali, and guy Billy Ray Turner was arrested a week or so ago. What are, you, what are your thoughts about this case? I don't know anything personally about the facts of the case. I have not personally interviewed any witnesses. I have not reviewed any statements. I know even if I had, I have adopted as a working principle in my life, an individual is innocent until proven guilty beyond a reasonable doubt and to a moral certainty. And there has been no such proceeding to give this man who is the suspect his due process. So as a former criminal court judge, former defense counsel, former chief public defender for the city of Memphis, and the first black prosecutor for the city of Memphis, I know better. So that, the thing goes for his wife? Uh, I have no idea. And put that in the context of the news media will falsify, exaggerate, withhold, so they can generate ratings. You cannot rely on what you hear in the media to set up an accurate picture of what went on, especially now. They've always been bad, but they are particularly bad now. That's it. I hear that's wisdom. That was like that, uh, what's her name? Um, the, what was one? It's one accused of killing her daughter. I know you're talking about Casey Anthony. Yeah. 
and Nancy Grace was standing on the woman's sidewalk, the family sidewalk for several years with a loud healer saying, we have a right to know she should tell us what happened. And all of these people were pontificating about how she was going to be convicted. And the jury, when they got the case, said, They never showed where this kid got killed, how this kid got killed. Even if the kid did it, they didn't show how she did it, when she did it, where she did it, why she did it, or if she did it. So we had to acquit her. We followed the law. We had a reasonable doubt. And everybody for five years that this case was pending was hollering about she's guilty. She needs to be up under a penitentiary. They talked about O.J. Uh, They still do. But that was Nancy Grace again, who was the reporter, scoundrel that made America think O.J. was guilty. I got a chance to see all of the evidence. Somebody I recruited to law school just happened to be chief administrative judge for L.A. Superior Court. So she let me see the evidence. First off, uh, the photos they had showed that Goldman and uh, O.J.'s wife had their throat slit from ear to ear, and somebody had pulled their tongues out of the slit throats. Otherwise, they each had one knife wound going into the right upper chest that ripped up the aorta and the top two chambers of the knife. It was a pro that did it. I have a friend who was called by the state as an expert knife killing. He looked at it and said it had to be two people. One man couldn't do it. And by the way, at the scene, in the blood, you've got footprints from somebody that had a size 9 shoe and somebody else had a size 10 and a half and O.J. wears a 12. If it does not fit, you must acquit. I know the guy that made the gloves, his name is Richard Zuckerwarf. Everybody gave a hand tracing. O.J. took a size 2XL in that glove. It was a size large, not extra large, not 2XL. Furman wore a size large. O.J.'s hand was too big. Bottom line is, bloody socks at the foot of the bed. That's one of the things that killed the case. What the jury saw and what Nancy Grace and none of the news media reported on, though it was in the stuff, that I recorded from the live broadcast of the trial was this. At about 1.14, the security squad goes in to video the crime scene. Why? Because people, uh, well, people complained that LAPD would steal their property. Does LAPD steal it? Well, that's how they wound up going to jail. He was in Vegas and found that LAPD had stolen Several of his items of property, Super Bowl rings, autograph, pictures, certificates. Mm-hmm. So the security squad videoed it. They showed the foot of the bed with no bloody socks, 114. About five minutes later, this video, by the way, has audio. You could hear, excuse me, who are you? Detective Furman. Uh, excuse me, will Detective Fur? no, Furman. Well, Detective Furman, you have to leave the premises until we finish our work. Well, I'm sir, sir, we don't care. You have to leave. A few minutes later, sir, what are you doing in the bedroom, Detective Furman, in the bedroom? And then they pan the camera over 
You can see Furman at the foot of this bed that you just got through seeing had no bloody socks. Well, they leave, and later crime scene comes through and videos everything, and now after you've seen no bloody socks at 114, five, ten minutes later you've seen Furman at the foot of this same bed. Now crime scene shows bloody socks at the foot of the bed. Now who put them there? OJ's on an airplane. And the press did not cover the fact that four of the chief detectives wound up going to jail in what they called a rampart scandal for planting false evidence on suspects. They had to let 128 men out of California penitentiary because of that. And four of the chief detectives involved in that were chief detectives in the OJ case. Did Johnny Cochran raise the race issue? No, but what he did do is he selected people of 45, 50-some years old who had grown up in L.A. and knew how corrupt and wrongdoing LAPD was. See, if you grew up in Los Angeles, uh, I suppose it was like being of an unapproved religion in Nazi Germany. It was like, where are your papers? Do you not see your papers? Yeah, it does not have these papers. But I can see here, your papers. Man, what papers? I mean, what do y'all got? You do not have your papers? That's not Lutheran, yeah? You know, it's like, good gracious. Mm. I grew up in L.A. I had very bad experiences. It was so bad that like another bunch of people I know that grew up in L.A., to this day, we're 65, 70, 75 years old. We still have nightmares about getting jacked up by LAPD. I still, to this day, sometimes have a nightmare about I'm caught in L.A. for some reason, for some mess, and there are some detectives that are going to try to get me and do some wrong to me. Is that bad? Was that bad? It was that bad. I can it's remember. So, it's so beautiful out there, though. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. <laughs> I, can remember, I can remember coming back in 75 for a vacation and somebody saying, we're in the hood, man. What's wrong? Huh? We're in the trees. Yeah, man. They cut the trees down so the helicopters can patrol at the rooftop level. Helicopters? Yeah. I remember being in law school five years before. I come out of my apartment, blink, instant daylight, boom, 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 loud speaker. That's the helicopter. This is a police vehicle. A ground unit will arrive shortly. Remove your identification and hold it in your right hand. Make no furtive movements or the officers will act accordingly. Now, how many places do the young folk know what furtive movement means? We did in L.A. Man, you hear about Earl? Man, oh man, uh, LAPD shot him seventeen times. Man, what happened, man? He didn't care no piece. I know, man. He was unarmed, but he made a fatal furtive, man. Furtive move. We used to call it the fatal furtive. What happened, man? The stomp. Oh man, he made a fatal. Uh, he made a fatal furtive, man. They shot him seven times. 
Well, I, as an officer, was approaching the suspect. He made a furtive movement as though to reach for a revolver. And fearing for my life, I drew my service revolver and fired six shots, reloaded and fired six more until he was not moving. And I thought the threat had been diminished to the point where I was safe. I checked the suspect and I acted in error. He did not have the gun, but I was in fear of my life because he made a furtive movement. Nobody ever got prosecuted in L.A. for shooting somebody. I saw I was investigating a criminal case with two other guys for this law professor who was doing a pro bono criminal defense. We went to talk to some witnesses. And we were standing on the porch talking to these witnesses. And a guy drove up in a brand-new Cutlass, Oldsmobile Cutlass, just drove it off the lot. And he parked, and he came over, and he was bragging about the car. Well, while we were standing there, this drunk drives down the street, five spikes, four or five cars, including his, and really damages them, and then rams the phone pole and wrecks his car, and he staggers out of the car and collapses into a stupor over the hood of his wrecked car. Well, LAPD got called. took them an hour to get there. Two squad cars with two cops. They didn't want to be bothered. They didn't feel like writing it up because they were at the end of their shift. His sergeant came. The sergeant said, well, you know, your problem. You don't need a new car anyway. You know, black people, you're getting out of hand, buying new cars and getting airs and outside of yourself. He said something to that effect. The guy said, what the hell, man? I'm a citizen. This fool's drunk. Look at him. He may be dead. Aren't you going to go look at him? Uh, We don't have the time. We've got more important things to do. He said, well, man, I'm complaining. I'm a citizen. He said, oh, okay, I'll tell you what. I'll give you something to complain about. He pulls the service revolver, jams it in the guy's left shoulder, and shoots him. He says, bam. He said, man, you shot me, man. He said, now you got something to complain about. He says, guys, let's go. So they leave. Wow. We've got to call 911. They take the guy to the emergency room. Several days later, the law professor is pissed, and he gets involved pro bono again. So we go down to the precinct station, and we look through their book. It's supposed to have the pictures of everybody that's a cop at that precinct, all shifts. And interestingly enough, on the shift in question, there were three missing pictures. The SLAPD. I'm sure they've got some fine officers now. As a matter of fact, I had a first cousin, Keith Brown, who was a career cop with LAPD. He's all right, guys. Uh, I know a couple of other all right guys, but the problem is there were a whole bunch that weren't. That's crazy. See this yeah. movie, Mall Holland Drive, and you get the idea about LAPD. Yeah. There's another one I forget the name of. The guy was in amazing. It was a story about Sergeant Friday and the TV thing and a cop that was advising him who got killed. Big Hollywood scandal, but uh, that was even more on point about how they used to treat black folk in L.A. It was horrible. 
like Inglewood. Everybody goes to the uh, to the wood. It's the hood. When I was growing up in uh, L.A., you couldn't drive through Inglewood after dark unless you had somebody's written note that you worked as a domestic for them. Wow. I mean, that was taking your life in your hands. I remember in the 60s, I'm a student at UCLA. I'm working for student government. There three of us in the car. We're trying to go pick something up for a professor out in Anaheim, about half a mile from Disneyland. Well, it turned out the place was in the back alley, and we were having a hard time finding it, so a cop turned his lights on. We're in a state car. And he says, uh, may I help you, gentlemen? And we said, yeah, we're an officer. We're trying to find this address. He said, well, sir, I understand your problem. Everybody has a problem with that because it's in an alley. If you go down here, turn here, turn here, turn here. He says, now, it's winter. And it's about 4 o'clock. Let me suggest to you that you finish your business. Because if it's dark, it's not going to be stir anymore to any of you. It's going to be, and he said, the N-word. So uh, let me suggest you get out of here before dark. Now, that's a half a mile from Disneyland. Man, it can't like that. Yes, that was the reality. Everybody thinks California's like, hey, you woo. L.A. had the worst police in America. Oh, man. Cold-blooded and ruthless. And that was Henry Gates. That man, Henry Gates came up with that. that oh, that. yeah. I remember, that was before Gates got in there. That was Chief Parker. They got him oh, out yeah. of Alabama. He came from Alabama with his twang. And he said, I'll have them down where they belong and us back on top. That was uh, always, that was his statement. And he had his position for life for good behavior. That was the end of police corruption in L.A. But, you know, and I remember in 1973, I was in Jackson, Mississippi. And I promise you, I pulled a recruitment poster for LAPD down off of a telephone pole and mailed it to some friends in L.A. Now, that's how cold-blooded that was. They were clinical, and they acted just like the Gestapo. Richard Pryor joked about it in one of his albums. LAPD pulls you over, says, on the wall, what wall? Find one. I can remember going to a fraternity sorority function. It was a ball. I had on a tux, and my day had on a gown. Was one of the few days in LA it was raining. They made us lie on the wet sidewalk for 45 minutes while they were calling us in and going all through the car. Didn't find anything, but everything was out in the rain. Took the back seat out, left it on the sidewalk, just being low down. Yeah, that was it. That's routine. I mean, I had a I, turn around. And I look around, this guy's got a 38-point right in my face, mm. this cop. What are you doing? I said, I'm getting in my car. What's your driver's, what's your license number? Fortunately, I remembered. Why are you driving this car? I said, because my old man said I could borrow his car. Because I got an important date. Any problem with that? 
I mean, it's like, what the hell? Uh, the one thing, they had a double killing on campus at UCLA. Uh, there were two Panthers that were students, John Huggins and Bunchy Carter. Mm-hmm. And the Oslo organization run by Ron Karinga, uh, the person that invented Kwanzaa, which I don't celebrate because he invented it. Mm-hmm. He was a snitch out there. And he was killing all of the people that were making a difference in the community. And he had four guys gunned down uh, Bunchy Carter and John Huggins in the cafeteria of Campbell Hall, which was where they had the Minority Study Center. It was in broad daylight about high noon. Well, aside from what happened there, we had a guy who was the vice chancellor who for six months was the acting chancellor of the University of California with 60-some thousand full-time students. The main chancellor was taking a sabbatical for research. So the black guy has all of these chancellors from European universities over in the chancellor's conference room in a formal function. LAPD kicks in the closed doors with shotguns, takes the black acting chancellor, handcuffs him with his hands behind his back, jabbing him in the back with a 12-gauge shotgun, and they march him from the chancellor's office a mile and a half across campus in front of all of these white students, handcuffed with five cops dragging him along and one of them busting him in the back with a shotgun and handcuffed him to a chair at the scene of the murder. Wow. Wow. They handcuffed me, put me in there too. Are they handcuffed you too? Yeah. They kept us handcuffed to a chair. Did they know who they were handcuffing? Like the cha- they know that the guy was an acting chancellor at all? Yeah, they busted in the meeting. Oh, so they knew who he was, and they yeah. did anyway. The chancellor's <laughs> conference room. They asked for him. We checked later. And they kicked the door in, and they had seven or eight chancellors from European universities in there, all dignified. You know, and they were serving champagne and lunch and all of the rest of this stuff. And they kicked in the door and they handcuffed him and shoved him like a dog in front of all these students a mile and a half across campus. Oh, man. What what happened afterward? How did the school respond? What did the chancellor say about it? Well, he was the chancellor. The other guy didn't come back for four months. So, I mean, like, what was the school? I mean, what was the response? How did they? That was done. Well, that was the anti-war period and all that. The students didn't like it, but LAPD would send the goon squad out there and just try to tramp through campus and mess with everybody. Oh man! I mean, it was awful. I mean, they'd come through there and they'd have agitators. Somebody throw something. Watch it, man. What are you supposed to do? Man, what's wrong with you, man? Nobody's going to throw it. It is peaceful demonstration, man. Well, it's acting. You're LAPD, man. I've seen you before. Wow. 
And then, see, some of what we have wrong with our leadership, there was this guy that I owed a behind with him to, but he died. So he escapes that. Uh, he decided that he was going to be the BSU president for his resume. He was a come lately, he was a transfer student. So he calls a meeting of all of these freshmen say it's a BSU meeting and have elections, so they elect him as president of the BSU. The election wasn't supposed to be for another four months. But anyway, he becomes BSU president, which would look good on his future resume, and he used that to the effect. But he was a punk. So Ron Karinda's boys were out there trying to gangsterize everybody on the UCLA campus so they could get a black studies program that they controlled and convinced the faculty that they represented the black students. So something was going on, and that was a demonstration we were involved in. And they had the sheriff's department, the highway patrol, LAPD, the campus cops, all this other stuff. And he was a BSU chairman, so we're trying to get this fool to go. And he says, Brothers, uh, I I appreciate what all of you have done for me and the sacrifices you have made. However, I'm in a position where I can't afford to jeopardize my career, so you'll have to go on without me, but I'll be there in spirit. Grab that folk. So we grabbed him and drug him there, and he was shaking like a leaf. And I'll never forget this. He had on some light gray pants, and he pissed on himself. He had a dark stain of urine all down his left leg and a puddle of piss around his left foot. And he almost collapsed, but we held his butt there. He was so scared. See, that's what's wrong with a lot of our leadership now. He became a so-called black leader, and they're just cowards. But they talk a big game, a good game. Wow. Well... So I was a classmate with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Big Lou uh, Alcindor, mm-hmm. uh, the basketball player who wound up eventually playing center for the Lakers. Mm-hmm. Had that sky hook because they outlawed dunking because of him when he got the cop. Mm-hmm. Now, when I got to UCLA in 65, there were 145 black students full-time out of 62,000 full-time students. We had uh, 72 full-time black undergrad students and 73 full-time black grad students. That was one of them. Mm -hmm. So we started working and doing a lot of stuff. Some of it was illegal, but we did it. And you could always count on Big Lou with his seven foot two inch off tall self. He'd be right there with him. He was mm-hmm. a heavy brother. He had engineering and got a B plus average in engineering. And every time you saw him, he had a slide rule clipped to his belt. Mm-hmm. But he was right there. So in 1967, we got in for the 67. 67, 68 year, we got in 250 more black students, which drastically ramped up the 72, now it was 81 undergrads by that time. 
And then for 68, 69 year, we got in another 250. The first 250 were some righteous brothers and sisters. The second 250 were these punks who were talking about they appreciated our efforts, but they couldn't get involved. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, stupid. I remember we had a meeting with the law students, minority law students and the faculty. One fool Negro was saying, Brothers, we have to understand that Professor Schmidt is quite correct. If they keep grading the minorities easily, our degrees will be compromised. So some Hispanic brothers say, you stupid fool, mom, what you mean? How they going to know who we are if we get out a blind grading system? They don't know who we are, mom. And he says, that is true. We do have a blind uh, grading system. Professor Smith, how would the faculty know who the minority students are? You know, you didn't put your name on a paper. You put your exam number, and only two people were supposed to have the key as to what number went with what name. And because of that, we switched it to a pass-fail system. So they couldn't jack you up by name by giving you a poor grade. So they, And it turned out the minority students were kicking plenty of butt. They wanted to change the whole admissions program because of that. We had a participation in it. The California Constitution said that the University of California is not just about academics, but is about establishing leadership. They even specifically mentioned the colored citizens of California who had so recently escaped from the horrible institution of slavery. See, this was 1852, 1851. It's written into the Constitution. The Asian and Chinese citizens, the Mexican citizens who needed full leadership in the University of California was to develop community leadership in politics, science, industry, the arts, literature, uh, engineering, and economics. So the mission standard was not just raw grade and academics, but by demonstrated ability to be a leader. So we said we just want the standard admission criteria. We don't want anything special, but the only time you've been applying that alternative, those other things that indicate an ability to succeed has been for athletes. So we wanted for ordinary suits. So we got it, and we started participating in making that selection, and we wound up statistically and years later having an exact 1-1 correlation between the ranking we gave somebody and what they wound up doing in the grad school. Well, we had the Negroes over at the medical school who were upset because they got excluded because all they had was the grade point average, but it was no better than some of the white students, so they wanted in just because they were covered. Well, we said from the law school, no, if you don't apply that other thing about an ability to succeed and demonstrated leadership, then what's going to happen is they're going to claim reverse discrimination. So what happens? at UCLA, at the med school, 
They set it up with a student named Baki, a white student, with the collaboration of the white faculty, so they would admit black people on the basis of their grade point average and their color rather than the other factors. So what happens is they set up Baki, and they manage to establish the point of reverse discrimination, thanks to these Negroes. Now, speaking of a Negro, they had some fool on the Board of Regents who was all against affirmative action. Well, I interviewed that fool who was trying to get in on a minority admissions program, and we turned him down at UCLA, got turned down at Cal State, got turned down at Cal State Long Beach, Cal State L.A., USC turned him down because all he was was a foe who went out and partied a lot, and he had no demonstrated leadership. So he always was against affirmative action since he couldn't get advantage of it. And uh, they put him as a colored sellout house Negro on the Board of Regents. So we have too many of those. Yeah, I'm not, I used to know his name off the top of my head. I, got, I know you're talking about exactly. Yeah. I yeah, can't I remember either hell. It's not something you would make an <laughs> effort to remember. Well, I hear what you say, definitely. These negative historical footnotes. Yeah, definitely. Well, as you uh, do before we go on, I appreciate you. Uh, all this, you, need, you definitely need to write a book about your experiences. I'm working on it, but yeah. I'm talking about principles, not me. I'm boring. I, I, I beg to differ because I post something. I get comments from people saying, well, just me write a book or something. You need to have them write this information. So somebody said, even if they live 200 years, they won't have as much wisdom as you do. It might take them 200 years to get this type of wisdom and insight that you have. And it's very much needed because we are lacking sorely in the black community in terms of, of leadership, but black alpha male, hetero male leadership. Cause I look at Hollywood. I keep on thinking to myself, they 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 given so Lee Daniels and Tyler Perry the red carpet, but there's no really masculine black males in Hollywood. It seems. Well, let me tell you this. You know that at one point I had the number one syndicated TV show in America, but they never let you know it. I didn't know that. No sir, I didn't know. Wow. See, I was beating Oprah every single day of the week for weeks at a time the last few years. I was beating Phil every single day of the week all the time mm. the last few years. I was running tied with Judy until they changed the rating system for her so she could clearly soar to number one. They did not want a straight black man is the number one TV show in America. Right. But they had that before, right? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that's what they did. Mm-hmm. And the bottom line was is one of the reasons that I'm not with them is because they wanted me to do some things, gave me an ultimatum, and that's one of the reasons my attitude is about somebody made you do it. You don't have to do it. I say, you can take the money and shove it. I'm not going to do that. That's wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to pander. You can kiss my behind. But hey, you got there yeah. are other good black people. But let me tell you what's happened. It didn't end with Stokely Carmichael, H. Rap Brown, uh, Eldridge Cleaver, Huey P. Newton, Malcolm X, and Martin Luther King. We've had others. But in the intervening 50 years, they have made a calculated effort to suppress us 
and they have promoted the likes of Tyler Perry. They have promoted rap stars. Some of them have good hearts, but it is what it is. Mm-hmm. They promoted Al Sharpton's and stuff like that, you see. Mm-hmm. But the good guys, they have suppressed us. Mm. See, there, I'm not alone. I just don't give a damn. You know, I never gave a damn because I never had a thing about money. It was always about, I get pissed off about stuff, get angry about it, and say that needs to be some change, and damn it, if I'm not going to go look whatever in the hell it is in the eye and say, screw you, you don't like it, we can both have a contest, see who goes to Val Allen. (laughs) You know, so it is what it is. But I just try to pass on what I've got and some of the attitudes so we can get some of these young brothers get told it's all right to be a leader. No, don't think about just money. Get you some. Learn how to earn a living. Be brave and courageous and be ready to sacrifice yourself for a point because sometimes something opens up and the only person that fills that slot that can fill that slot is somebody that's had demonstrated credibility. It may not come to you off the way you want it uh, off of the shelf up front, but you will find yourself where you can skip a lot of positions because you'll be the only one that can do it because you are the only one that had the bald insight drive and the nerve to go do it and prove you can, and once you tried, you learned. That's not a lot of problems. All of these people that I mentioned, I knew personally. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know Malcolm X, and I didn't know uh, Martin Luther King, but I met his widow and his sons. Oh, that's uh, because of what you, you helped shed the truth about what happened to Dr. King. Yeah, so I you were part of that. Yeah, I knew uh, Angela Davis. She was a personal friend of mine. I stopped one of her boyfriends from jumping her one time. Wow. You know, uh, we became friends. She's a nice sister. She'd bore you to death. You took a class. you go to sleep in five minutes. <laughs> but she was a very erudite and learned sister. Yeah. You know, I knew a whole lot of people. You know, I found out Jimmy Carter was a fan. Uh, the oh, really? I was with, we represented Al, still represent Al Gore, the law office I was with, and represented mm-hmm. him before he became a U.S. senator. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I've met several presidents. I've met a lot of people. Uh, met people in Hollywood. I met Marlon Brando, you know, Samuel Jackson. You know, mm-hmm. he's a good guy. Morgan Freeman, he's a good guy. Uh, Morgan Freeman is a very, very smart man. You know, he does this science thing on oh, yeah. the wormhole. He yeah. actually is into that stuff, by the way. He's not just reading lines. Oh, yeah, also, I know. Is he an atheist, too? Like, I know he's not into I guess. Well, uh, let me put it this way. My attitude toward that stuff is, Before I waste much time debating on whether it's true or not, I still have a great deal of undisplaced anger at the purpose, well, not at the purpose, but at the usage 
Well, at the use they had that religion for, it enslaved us. Mm-hmm. And I find it ludicrous for African Americans to have no base religion except that one. See, white people aren't basically Christians. What do they call the first planet from the sun? It's Mercury. Then it's Venus. Then after Earth is Mars. Jupiter, Saturn, Neptune, Uranus. You know, you got Europa and Ganymede, all of the names of these Greek and Roman gods. You've got Thor missiles, Atlas missiles. You've got Norse mythology in there. You've got Marvel comics where you've got Thor and you've got Odin being played by Anthony Hopkins. You've got Loki. Mm-hmm. They haven't forgotten their religions. We don't know who Dambala or Kofi and Nagundi are because we don't know, even though those are our chief ancestral gods from West Africa, where 99.9% of African Americans hail from as their African origin point. West mm-hmm. Africa, we don't know that. All we have is Christianity. See, we have the 25th we celebrate for Christmas, but Eastern Orthodox Christians celebrate the Jesus' birthday in the middle of January. You mm-hmm. see, they don't celebrate it the 25th because that never was the one that they started celebrating. They started celebrating Jesus' birthday on the 25th because the so-called pagans wouldn't stop celebrating Al-Samain, which is A-L-S-A-M-A-I-N-E, the way you spell it in English. It was an old Celtic holiday that occurred on the 25th of December. Why? Because it was three or four days after the shortest day of the year, and it was long enough after that so they could affirm with assurance that the days were getting longer and the world was returning to productivity. It's also the birth date for the Egyptian god Osiris. It's also the birth date for the Norse god Odin. The Christmas tree, the Tannenbaum, was part of the Celtic celebration, as is mistletoe. So they just co-opted that. Easter, why do you have the Easter bunny and eggs on Easter? Because they put it on that day because the ancients celebrated the day for Isis, the god of fertility, who became Aphrodite and then Venus. And what is a very fecund animal? Rabbits. They breed like rabbits. And what is the symbol of fecundity? Eggs. So they have rabbits and Easter eggs. That's why we have Easter eggs. It's not because of Easter. It's because it was a pagan holiday for fertility. So which of these holidays are you celebrating? Uh, Kwanzaa? I won't celebrate that because that scurvy scoundrel, Ron Karinga, uh, Ron Everett, a.k.a. the Maulata Ron Karinga, who was the police and FBI informant on black people and did a lot to tear down the nascent development of a community since in Los Angeles in the late 60s. He started it. Is something to pimp black people with. Started it down in a park off of Crenshaw Boulevard. 
So I won't celebrate that. Islam, Islam is cool with me. They treat everybody all right. The third ranking person in ancient Islam was uh, Balea. He was the slave chained to a rock in the desert that Muhammad rescued and made him the first crier for Islam. Mm. You know, I don't speak Swahili, though I took it. You know why? I found out Swahili was a slave language. It is a pidgin language. It's a combination of Bantu, Dutch, and Arabic that was developed for the slave trade in East Africa that went on into the beginning of the 20th century before it was stopped. So why do I want to learn a slave trade language? But everybody goes and does that. They do Afrocentric stuff because they like to dress up in the covered, colored robes. But what they ought to be celebrating is uh, jungle camouflage it's the Mau Mau and other revolutionaries, one, getting free from colonialism. They want to go Afrocentric, but they don't know who the gods are. They like being cute, but they don't understand. They put braids in their boys' hair, and in Africa, if you've got braids, that means you are a straight-up-and-down sissy. Men can wear all kinds of hairstyles dreadlocks, but not braids. You know, the sisters go and get 10 pounds of fake hair put in and glued into their heads, and you look at them, and they weigh 300 pounds, and they look like some kind of bear (laughs) waddling down in a way. And think they look fine and got inch-long fingernails that they spent three or $400 working on with rhinestones in there, and it looks like, good gracious, you ought to have spent that money on getting yourself a gym membership. <laughs> yeah, interest in my occupation. I was in some place, and they had four or five big old sisters sitting at this table, and one particularly big one, and I was fascinated looking at her because she was overlapping her chair so much. Uh-huh. And she kept slipping one load to one side and the other, and she actually fell off the chair onto the ground. Well, wow. her homegirls just didn't miss a forkful, didn't even look over. She's yelling for help. Two white men jumped up to try and pick her up. I almost choked on what I was eating, trying not to laugh. And two waiters, four men, had to help this woman back up and get in her chair. She didn't hurt herself, but her friends didn't miss a forkful. They even asked how she was doing, honey. Didn't even ask how she was doing. Wow. And they got eight or nine little kids under seven years old running around the restaurant messing with everybody and totally out of control with no home training. Was it was the Olive Garden or was it a No, this wasn't the Olive Garden. This was down here at Rafferty's on Poplar. Oh, yeah, Rafferty's on Poplar. Okay. That, you know what, but, you know, you go to these schools now, it's ridiculous. Like, it's so if bad you really want to see something, you go down and watch what happens at child time over on Hacks Cross. I go in there and sit and just watch the people. I've been in child time in so many years. Well, tell me about that experience. 
Oh, man, it's like <laughs> these kids run all over the place. Nobody mm-hmm. tells them to walk. They go mm-hmm. up and they make a mess at the ice cream machine and no mama. Mama's running off the mouth of somebody's table while the kid's going over there. Somebody needs to slap the kid's fingers off from trying to reach up and pick some up with their hands instead of using the utensils. You know, mm-hmm. the kids are loud and unruly. No home training. And you get 10, 12, 15-pound hairdos <laughs> and gaudy clothing. Uh, there was one woman sitting with a purple top, some of the biggest jeans I've ever seen, and not just bright red dyed hair, mm-hmm. but something that looked like literally that red mop that Bozo the Clown or Ronald McDonald would wear. (laughs) She was sitting next to somebody that had on an iridescent shirt that looked like a circus tent with sharks swimming around on it. No, that was another occasion. This one was one of those shirts of many colors. Mm -hmm. And another woman that was so big, she'd split her tights. And why in the world big women want to wear tights, I do not know. That does not look good. It's fascinating. Like, I ain't I been in Chinatown for 10 years, I think. I'm, I don't go that far away from Chinatown, but I like that. Total body is interesting. But it's, yeah. It stays full. Yeah, they stay full. I and mean, it's like I saw one woman go back nine times. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the buffets. Yeah. Mm. Two plates at a time. Yeah. They go, but I mean, it's, it's, it's bad cool for your health. It's yeah. bad for your health. But you see, these feminists are driving a thing about to talk about that's called body shaming. I don't right. care. You know, they may be beautiful people inside, but you know, you're not going to live long. Work on it. So you got these babies; they'll be putting you in the ground real quickly. Yeah, somebody, you know what I'm saying? The feminists say that's beautiful, and you're body shaming. You say it's not. Well, who says? And then some of the sisters that think they're Afrocentric, I'm beautiful because I'm a black woman. Well, you may be, but the physical beauty, let's just put it this way. Even if you were in a village, you certainly wouldn't be classified as a beautiful woman in the village because every woman in the village or the tribesman is not considered beautiful. Mm. And if you look at who the pretty women are from the village, they tend to have the same kind of common look that they may have a darker complexion, but the look's kind of similar to what we call pretty women over here. If you look at a statue from the Knox, uh, civilization on the uh, Juice Plateau in Nigeria from 2,000 years ago, it looks like the sculpture they have. If you look at uh, what the Greeks and the Romans did, it looks like that. Look at the wall paintings and extrapolate from the Egyptians, it looks like that. It looks like what you get in China, India, uh, anywhere in the world, there's a standard of beauty. You know, and if you don't look like it, you don't look like it. Everybody doesn't look like a pro football player or a professional athlete. 
Right. So you just got to do what you got to do. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking, go ahead, I'm sorry. Boy, I'm, uh, yeah, I was thinking about like how you said like uh, the military has a hard time finding men or boys or guys, young men. Uh, tough, but I, I remember I was going through my Facebook timeline last week or feed news feed whatever. You know, you see people posting things, and this sister said that uh, she asked people to pray for her uh, for a friend whose uh, child at nine years old committed suicide because of online bullying. I said, nine years old, commit suicide over cyberbullying? I mean, she never taught him how to be a man. I was like, wow. I know what's one of the main things you have to deal with to become a man, learning how to handle a bullet. Now they protect you, call the police, online bullet. How the hell do you get bullied online? I don't get it. Yeah, that's an excuse for a deeper problem. You know what? It was a porn star in California. She's 23 years old from Canada. She committed suicide. The people bullied her about not wanting to work with guys who did gay porn. Like, she was well-known in the industry, award-winning, but she had a concern about She turned down a job because she did not want to work with a guy who just got through doing a gay porn. Well, and why people online you? bully her. Well, look, she apparently had more fortitude than half these actresses that say they had sex with a fat, out-of-shape old guy because <laughs> right. they didn't want his part. Uh-huh. I don't blame her. What do they have? That's a little strange, you know? Yeah, but she killed herself. I said, why she was, I mean, like, wow. I was like, oh, there, there, I, I, I'm sure there were other kind of problems going mm-hmm. on besides that. So I, I agree with her point, too. I, I respect her point of view on that. She said for her, it's like she got to protect herself. Yeah. And uh, see, that's that feminist LGBTQ thing driving that engine of what's wrong with somebody who does gay porn. Well, Nothing if they do gay porn, but you don't have to be part of it. All right. I mean, it's fascinating. I remember, I'm going to never forget uh, Carrie Washington. She won a GLAAD Award, the lady who plays on a Scandal TV show. And she basically got up there to threw black folks on the bus. I mean, I just never seen I said, we're the only group of people that people can do that to. You can't do it to Jewish people. They call you anti-Semitic. You can't do that to the LGBTQ community. Yeah, they'll, they'll, you be blackballed. But I'm saying she just too black. Well, I mean, just wow, wow. I mean, yeah. you was all in for that. Yeah, that's okay. And yeah. you know what's funny? In California, if you call somebody FAG, that's hate crime, you can go to jail. If you call somebody the NIG word, that's no big deal. That's, cra- that's insane, man. You know, you could be in jail for that. You know what it is? It's a lesson for black people. See, the LGBTQ and the feminists got control of the political process and the media, so they push their points. Mm-hmm. I don't hate them for it. It's their business. They got, They have every right in the world to do what they do. But we have every right in the world to push back, push our point, especially when it gets neglected and suppressed. 
But you know, our problem is the black media is a joke right now overall. I mean, it's more about celebrity journalism, and you got black comedians being the leaders in, in the in the newsroom. Yeah. I mean, the radio shows, the morning shows, a bunch of black comedians. Was, I mean, Dick Gregory was, you know, but what I'm saying, I think it's kind of weird that we don't really have no real black news, like a race a race beat back in the days. So, you know, John H. Johnson, Daisy Bates. We don't have people like that anymore. Mm-mm. Oh, Gil Noble from New York City, he did a phenomenal job as a best investigative reporter. We don't have a Gil Noble. Mm-mm. We don't have a Brian Gumbel. Yeah, Brian Gumbel, he did his job back in the time. We don't have a Brian Gumbel. We don't have an Ed Bradley. Yeah, I know Ed Bradley, yes. Or Louis Lomax. For that matter, let's go to the white side. We don't have a Walter Cronkite either. No, we don't. We don't have a Anderson Cooper. (laughs) It's just, man, it's just, we in trouble, man. I just, uh... (laughs) <laughs> You're right. It's Brad the circuses, Judge Brown. I just people don't care though. People just like they just want to. I mean, nothing wrong with movies and sports, but people just want to get lost in all of that. They don't want to deal with. Let me ask you about the Bitcoin thing. What's your take on Bitcoin? Bitcoin. Yeah. I think it's probably like silver. It was very, very big. A lot of people jumped into it, and then it went bust. Do you think it's by design, though, because they don't want a threat to currency? Uh-uh. See, once they got rid of long-term capital gains and the tax structure that used to go with it 45, 50 years ago, there was no point in holding on to long-term things that you had to hold at least six months before you got rid of them without an outrageous tax penalty. Now that there is no penalty for getting rid of stuff immediately, there is a tendency in the stock exchanges to look for volatility. In other words, with careful mathematical precision, Mm -hmm. you can generate a great increase in the value of certain commodities, stocks, bonds, or objects like Bitcoin. Buy in when the price is going up and predict when it's about to drop and sell and get the hell out so you make a big profit. See, Wall Street and the stock exchanges have become gambling casinos as a result of that because they no longer encourage buying stable stock in entities that have a long-term viability. You buy stock like that so you can use it to leverage acquisitions of stock that's got volatility. In other words, it goes up and down quickly. It can be manipulated by what are legal means, just legal, and you can make money off of it. Buy cheap, buy, 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 drive the price up, and then sell before it gets to the top and starts dropping. Yeah. A different thing looked for. In the day when the CEO of General Motors made four and a half times what the highest paid line worker did, you sought stability and long term viability in stock. Now, when the price 
paid for incompetent management that leads to economic disaster and people losing their jobs, well, volatility is encouraged on the stock exchanges, so you buy with mathematical algorithms. When your computer says buy, you sell and you trade. When you hit send or implement, and all many millions of trades and set-offs can occur within seconds, and there's no penalty for doing that tax-wise. So it does not tend to build the economy. It tends to make money, and Wall Street is a gambling casino. Uh, Obama got Wall Street back up doing fine, but the rest of America got left behind. Eight wasted years. I ask people, we had an African-American president, but one that didn't have a black culture, who wound up marrying his supervisor, which, you know, in today's world, that's naughty, naughty, naughty. Why is she fooling around with somebody she supervises? But it is what it is, and she lost a lot of weight because she was kind of on the heavy side, so people said she looked good, and we got eight years of show and eight years of nothing to go. Mm-hmm. And you think anything he left us? Obamacare was drafted by Republican uh, U.S. Senator Dr. Bill Frisch from Tennessee, whose family founded Blue Cross, not the Obama administration. Oh, yes, the economic bailout bill, $781 billion, which right now holds record for the largest single expenditure in the history of the United States of America. Okay, he's got a lot of stuff from him, but what did everybody else get? Job programs? No. Educational programs? No. Uh, meaningful reform of the criminal justice system on the federal level? No. Tax reform, no. Uh, Black generals and admirals appointed by the commander-in-chief, no. (laughs) What did we get? Chick-flick Matt Naistar. Chick-flick Matt Naistar. Now we got a boogeyman, but I think Trump is good for the country because he has energize all of those bad elements in the country who feel comfy coming out now. They've been emboldened. If we'd gotten the Hillary witch, we would not have heard that. You said Hillary witch, didn't you? Yeah, <laughs> She only goes where the wind blows her. I remember when she was running around in the 12th grade being a high school Republican campaigning for that serious racist Barry Goldwater who started playing the race card, seriously playing it. And then she became chairman or a chairwoman of the young Republicans at Wesley, an all-girls school she attended. And she campaigned for Richard Tricky Dick Nixon in 1968. She came out to California to campaign for St. Ron the Reagan. And she and her parents were hollering about keep 
the Chicago suburbs and the student housing at the University of Illinois segregated while Bernie Sanders was chairman of a core chapter and going to jail for integration. He came out to the Watch Festival in L.A. I think it was the second one. And the only white person out in the field of about 20,000 black folk was Bernie Sanders, and he was having a good time. The only other white people were the police and the news media. So uh, we sent some people from UCLA out to Chicago from the BSU to back him up doing what he was doing while Hillary was coming back from college to try and keep what we were working for from happening. I haven't forgotten that. Just outright racism. And her daddy worked for Goldman Sachs. And the released email showed that she didn't get just $13 million for speaking engagements. As she disclosed, it was $26 million. When Bernie said, we want to see the transcript, uh, what he was really talking about was there were no transcripts because she didn't say anything. She just showed up and said, hi, thank you, and thanks for the $220,000 check. How did she get worth she and Bill get worth $56 million when all he had ever been is a civil servant and she had never gotten more than two hundred grand in her life net. And from being a civil service employee to with U.S. Uh, Secretary of State before that U.S. Senator, she's worth, what, $28 million in 14, 15 months? It's nothing but a bought-off crook. And they love her. The feminists didn't care that she was a scoundrel. They just wanted a woman for president at all costs. I don't buy that. We need jobs, education. We need reorientation and reeducation of the people uh, who are displaced by science and industry from traditional jobs. There's nothing in place. We need a health care thing because Obamacare is the pits that the Republicans weren't going to repeal it because they got back there and found out the truth of the matter was it was a Republican bill in the first place. That's why they didn't repeal it. They ignorantly talked mess, smack, and then found out the biggest contributors were behind uh, Obamacare. We really should call it Dr. Bill Friscare. Or Blue Cross uh, caress, you know, we caress Blue Cross and Blue Shield with that. They're the main beneficiaries to that thing. What actually is uh, before we go? I mean, I appreciate. Let me say this: Mm -hmm. I don't depend on it, but I'm fully vested for my pension from the state of Tennessee from being elected to two eight-year terms as a state judge. My pension is eighteen hundred and sixty some dollars a month. My copay for medication is eighteen hundred thirty dollars a month. Wow. Now just think what somebody would have to do if they needed to make a choice between medication, rent, and food. Now that's how ridiculous the system is at the moment. And then I will say this. There is a character in right now. He represents part nine for the Board of Education in Shelby County. 
and he's campaigning on the issue that teachers hired starting in 2018 will have no retirement benefits as part of their compensation package. So now teachers don't have to have four-year degrees, just two-year associate degrees, and the county has turned over the process of recruitment of teachers to a private entity known as Teach America, a private for-profit entity. They select the students. They quasi-educate the students. They train the students, and they pick the teachers. They hire the teachers for the board, and they assign the teachers. Now, that's ridiculous to have turned that over to private enterprise. And they, frankly, are trying to kill off the school system, public schools, in favor of charter school where they can teach some religious dogma instead of the neutral thing that has been taught by public education that's made black people and everybody in America uh, on top of the world for the last hundred years. So public education is to be destroyed so we can have what I call crank education where you can take a niche and teach a kid this sort of kind of thing over here, home training, schooling, and they never get to learn how to deal with other people. And uh, it's very bad. So you've got a situation here where roughly 75% of the student body of the county schools have two people that represent them, well, one and a half. And 25% of the student body has six people representing them. It's not really equitable. Mm. Somebody needs to call Memphis City Council to account for surrendering the charter to the City Board of Education. That's one of the most dumb and stupid, ignorant, selfish, and short-sighted things I've seen. And I think too many of them that went for it were getting side compensation for doing it. Yeah, it's a, a great one. It was a mistake. An embarrassment. Got the opportunity to do something, and you give it away. This whole city is jacked up. The representation for the last 45 years has been giving the taxpayers' money away to vested upper echelon interests. There has been nothing delivered from Congress, the state level, the city or the county level for either the white or the black middle class. There's some poverty frou-frou, and the rest of it goes to the privileged caste who gets all of the building contracts to build public uh, works that have no purpose and simply eat up tax dollars and do nothing to provide a more profitable existence for the rest of the people. It's a shame. Definitely is a shame, but I was glad that you are. We've got cowards and scoundrels representing us, and we are throwing away our chance to have gotten someplace. And the dynamic is changing drastically since in three generations or so, three decades or so, not generations, America is not 
is no longer going to be a majority white country. And we need to start setting up long-term coalitions with other groups that right now are minorities so we can run this country for fun and profit, equity, and in the spirit of justice for all, and equal benefit for all. But we're missing our opportunity because we have no national leadership. So I will make an exception for Kaepernick, the football player, who at least got a movement going that seems to have generated some national controversy and support and opposition, which is a good thing. What do you think about the Cabo Kaepernick? Uh, he said he was in agreement. The uh, Puff Daddy or P Diddy, whatever he calls himself these days, he wanted. He wants to buy the Carolina Panthers. And, you know, people say that, like, you know, that'd be a great idea. People think it's a bad idea. You know, because you know, one of the things he want to do is just make Colin Kaepernick the quarterback when you already got Cam Newton, who one of the best quarterbacks in the league, already the quarterback at the Carolina Panthers. But obviously he don't have the money. Like, he, you know, he don't have that type of money uh, to buy the team outright as a majority owner. Well, so what does no, it take it on that? It be a package put together. But yeah. then again, Done Sakelsie a Pane. Done Pane a Sakelsie. Give them bread and circuses. That's more circus. Irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Totally irrelevant in the big scheme. It keeps us focusing on football statistics, and we still don't know the Constitution. Which, by the way, depending upon the size of the pamphlet, is about 10 to 15 pages long. It's not long, but people should read it. That's definitely true, sure that. Those are like just the same country. I mean, people who come as Chinese, I mean, there's some statues or anything, they're not coming to this country. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's fascinating, man, that they can hide out in, in plain sight, you know, versus people. Uh, lack of intellectual curiosity about things, but you know, but that's yeah, the way. It, in plain sight. And see, yeah. this whole thing with this feminist movement about ruin these men on mere accusations. See, that silts up in the popular mind a culture of accusations are sufficient. For mm-hmm. a long time, that was a very dangerous thing, and slave owners are otherwise. The people who founded the country and promulgated that constitution knew what they were doing when they put that Bill of Rights in there because that was necessary. There was too much of this accusation and condemnation with no proof. And Mm -hmm. the ability to do that allows people to deal with demagogic control of the political process and thereby the economic and social process. It's a dangerous thing. You drive your country down the road to absolute tyranny when you do that because somebody can come in when the public is accustomed to that nonsense and use it for foul purposes. Uh, In the 19th century, European visitors marveled that the number one entertainment for Americans was not the opera, it was not the ballet, it was not the plays, it was not... uh, symphony, what it was, it was not horse racing, what it was is to visit courtrooms and watch trials. People found it dramatic, entertaining, 
good stories, and they learned about their laws and how their laws worked. Hmm. That's no longer the case. Though it does tell us why the court TV shows that I was a part of preempted and destroyed the soap operas, which, by the way, the lingering effects of those poisonous soap operas and the trash they perpetrated are still with us. That's why we have the housewives and uh, the Tyler Perry boo stuff with Medea that glorifies dysfunction and filthy, obscene behavior. Mm-hmm. And by obscene, I mean just wrongdoing, filthy, low-down behavior. You know, Susan can't marry Bill because Bill may actually be her first cousin because her father slept with so-and-so, but her mother did not know, and -and so-and-so's mother, blah, 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 was trying to get back at so-and-so's aunt. You know, this kind of film. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And for the women of America who produced this generation of radical feminists to be involved with that, well, it's not unusual to expect the likes of Attorney Bloom, Attorney Aldrich, one is the daughter and the other one's the mother to be generating all of these accusations against men who are doing something. The hashtag Me Too ought to be a hashtag Wait for Justice. Mm-hmm. See, they are destroying the concept and they don't even realize it. And what they are fundamentally trying to depend on is justice, but they're destroying the process, though it's insidious and not obvious. I abhor any ill treatment of women, but I abhor worse when you take the fundamental principles of governance and you corrupt them. That includes whether you're hollering about blacks being done wrong, white power, it's just us, not justice. It's not that the rules are wrong. It's that we don't have the right players in the game. Too many of our leadership are nothing but abject, money-grabbing, selfish cowards. And the ones that had it we've allowed to be suppressed. I don't necessarily put myself in that category because I depreciate what I do. I'm just an ordinary person who's crazy enough to speak his mind. <laughs> anyway, brother, it, it, it's late. We've been chatting. You'll get a long, we all beat. It's almost three hours worth. Yeah, <laughs>
misconduct against uh, Trump, or it could simply be somebody offered her more money and considering the characters she portrays in the Trump uh, executive reality thing, it's consistent with I need the money. I know we know it was a black news reporter saying April Ryan. She she alleged that she was drugged off the, the premises. Well, she was like, you know, she was arguing the fact that her husband was denied access to the Christmas party by the chief of staff, General Kelly, who revoked well, her privilege. thrown out. You know, I don't blame him. Would you like if somebody you consider an enemy throws up, comes throws up to your party, you say, no, I didn't invite you. <laughs> I mean, it may be for a reason that you don't like, but hell, I don't have a problem with that. Mm-hmm. And the other thing, too, have you seen the stuff going around about his black girlfriend he dated for two years? Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, uh, Donald Trump in the New York Times article. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she is, you know, he, it isn't that he's black or white. It's just he's a white guy who's rich, and he just hangs around with people who are super successful people, white or black. And yeah, he doesn't have many friends, if any at all. I can believe that. And by the way, did you check that part of the article out about he endorsed and financed Jesse Jackson's two runs for president? They gave him even free rent space, the Rainbow Coalition. Yeah. I mean, hey, did Hillary do that? Did Bill do that? Did the Democratic Party do that? No, they wanted to get rid of Jesse. (laughs) Yeah, I think that Trump has a game. And for him to run the game, he needs the support of the rednecks. So he's got support of the rednecks. And we had a choice between a witch sailboat who only went where the wind blew her tacky behind mm-hmm. and was a positive racist, outright racist in her day. And there's a photo that's a true photo because I remember when it came out, she and Bill, when she met him, when she first got to Yale Law School in our first year, they went to a costume party for Halloween. He came as a coverall-wearing country boy with a straw hat and a red polka dot pattern bandana, and she came dressed in blackface. Mm. And that's a real picture, but that shows you her attitude. Um She's a little younger than I am, but I can tell you I haven't changed fundamentally since I've been 18, 19, 20, and she has neither. So look at what somebody did when they were in their young, foolish, formative years and then extrapolate that to when they get grown and mature. So she was a racist when she was a teenager in high school and an undergrad in college. She's a racist now. And she just just uses us disgustingly. And then I'm looking at that thing with Moore v. Jones in Alabama. Okay, Moore was a creep. He didn't understand the relationship between separation of uh, church and state and his job as a sworn official sworn to uphold the Constitution. And Jones, everybody's happy about the black support, 94% of the black men, 97% of the 
black women, they went for Jones, but Jones made his name locking up an awful lot of black men in penitentiaries. He hasn't been a friend. But they're all happy. It ought to be, man, ain't that, you ought to be sad, man, ain't that awful we had that bad choice? And the other thing, uh, frankly, if Jones had won, not Jones, if Moore had won, I was more impressed by the point that that would have defeated this little growing trend of guilty by mere accusation. Mm-hmm. That's the thing out of that election that troubled me. He almost won, though. He almost, yeah, almost won, but nobody bothered about would this stand up in the court of law. And see, the other thing, too, I know he admitted to this, but the bottom line is, is the age of consent in this southern state, Alabama, I don't think was but 14 at the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's sick, but there it is. Mm-hmm. Tennessee, up until about six years ago, had a thing about incest. You could not marry a first cousin. You could not marry a former in-law. Uh, you had a, well, you had a governor from Alabama who married his first cousin. Yeah, but I'm saying the mm-hmm. party repealed that law. Mm-hmm. So there is no law on incest on the book. Too many of them came from backwoods, East Tennessee, where you wanted a date, you went to a family reunion. (laughs) (laughs) And they went because the local Shelby County Juvenile Court, who has a number of personnel involved in it, who ought to be in a federal penitentiary, has been using taxpayers' fund in the sequestered non-interest-bearing account to leverage election activity. Which, by the way, I keep reminding everybody, the Justice Department called that the most racist, biased, bigoted, and prejudiced operation they had ever investigated. And our little Strickland city mayor and our juvenile court judge are running around trying to get that five-year edict dissolved so they won't be accountable to anybody. And the last quarterly report Fed's release showed they were worse than before they got put under the heat. Well, no change. Same old, same old. Forget your rights and let's just ruin all of these colored families for profitability since everything's been privatized down there and it's for profit. And somebody lied outright when he got confronted with it, I know because some of my neighbors ran the same problem. Took the white kids to Germantown City Court and the black one all the way down down to juvenile court for the same bus for simple possession of marijuana. White kids went to court with the parents and got dismissed on court costs. That's the end of it. <laughs> they were juvenile, the record sealed, but down there, juvenile court parents went through thousands of dollars in fees and the stuff drug, stuff drug on. I don't even know if it's finished two years later. Mm. 
Yeah, yeah, one good referee down there, Kerry Woods. He's okay. They okay. got a popping fresh Negro down there who's married to a white woman. He's a house Negro. And he's good and controlled, and the rest of them are nothing but scoundrels. Wow. Corrupt scoundrels who haven't had to work very hard with their law degrees because they've got that little largest going on down there at juvenile court, the sinecure, where they can be part of that mess. Mm. See, I, sur- uh, I, I went. Uh, and put myself in a position to take a medical disability and don't practice law anymore so they can't touch me. If I still had an active license, somebody could call me into court for saying what I did. They may still try to do that. Mm. But, uh, you know, you got to do right and speak your mind. Yes, sir. Well, Judge, I want to thank you once again for spending so much time with us to tell about this very important information as well as your fascinating viewpoint on the world. Uh, people really, I mean, what you say could be very polarizing for some people, but it is what it is. I mean, you're speaking from an authentic place, and I think people need to hear what you got to say because it's not too many people are out there speaking from an authentic place. I say, well, here's the thing. I know what I say is often unpopular, but you have to remember I've been looking at this stuff, this world, for 50-some years after I was grown. So I've seen these trends and where they go. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm still breathing in fairly good health now. So I'm just trying to say, you know, be careful what you do. I've heard this before, but nobody wants to study history even recent history. So, you know, you only go back to when you were, you know, 10, 12 years old, but that's only 25 years ago. I'm mm-hmm. talking about let's go back another 25 years uh, that I've been active in there, and let's go back 10 years before that till we get into I was old enough and paying enough attention to realize what was going on. Mm. You see what I'm saying? So somebody got 60 years of being aware of what's going on. I'm older than that, but I've got 60 years where I was paying attention, where, you know, I read the newspapers and I was assessing Eisenhower's policy, you know, or when uh, what happens when Kennedy and Nixon were running the first time. So I've seen a lot of this stuff. It's been a thing of interest. So I just say, look, it sounds good, but it's really not because there's some downside. Mm-hmm. You know, you talk about how this works, but the people who've got this pride on them, they haven't grown up and started to run the world. And what I see is not a good picture. We're slipping from our position of preeminence. See, the country was preeminent in the world. It had a problem with race. The fact that they've got the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments and needed them is a disgrace. The mm-hmm. fact that it's got that three-fifths of a person for determining representation for the southern states on the initial founding of the country is a disgrace. Mm-hmm. But it is what it is in terms of its system. It's like a ball game. The 
the rules of the game make for an exciting play and entertainment if you've got good players. Mm -hmm. See, sometimes we think about a new program or a new system will make everything all right. It won't. It's still got a lot to do with the players. And the program is only good if it facilitates good people doing good things. If the program hinders good people from doing good things, it's not a good program. If the program is such that it facilitates bad people doing bad things, it's not good either. Mm-hmm. But we forget that. And we are all deep off into this. We need a new constitution. We need new There's never been a better one that's come up in the history of man, actually. It's the best they've got so far. It's mm-hmm. just we have players who don't really deal with it. Half of the stupid nonsense you hear comes from people who the bar bar association estimates that only 25% of the lawyers and judges in America have actually read the Constitution. That's wow. Okay. wow. They've studied parts of it in law school But even now, the trend for the younger lawyers is when you study constitutional law, it's slanted toward commercial uh, circumstances, you know, in terms of application of laws to a contract and shipments in transit and all of that, rather than what we had when I went to law school, where it was slanted toward individual rights, which is an entirely different thing. Anyway, brother, it's it's getting late. I think what is it, three o'clock in the morning or something? Yeah, it's close about be three o'clock. But thank you, Jezebel Brown, for marching the words. It's great to be out here. We love you madly. Keep on producing and pushing as always. Okay. Good night, young brother. Have a well, good morning. I guess. <laughs> good morning, yes, sir. Okay, take it easy. You too. Thank you.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18+ plus. terms and conditions apply. See website for details.